This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, it's our last batch of movies from the best year in movies ever, 1999, as we discussed Election, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Go, and Eyes Wide Shut. Geek Mooner! Plus, San Diego Comic-Con at Home virtual event is happening this week. A new trailer for the never-going-to-be-released New Mutants movie is out. And movie theaters could remain closed until the middle of next year. Lame. What? All that and more in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Why? I don't know. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. Hey, 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 listener, what's up? Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Giving you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. And joining us, the puppet that's always invited to all the high-class, felty sex parties. Yeah. You know he is. It's Rugboy. Rugboy's a baller. I might be committing suicide later tonight. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. With the Epstein shit comes out. Oh, shit. Oh, Oh, shit. You're involved with that, too? That's some... Uh, no, I'm I'm not involved with that. But, okay, you know, I was going along with your joke, but that's yeah. basically what they're talking about. That was here. that's some eyes wide shut shit right there. Yeah, I, yeah, I ain't thinking about that. Jizz Lane, her name. Still, oh yeah, you think that's, how you say it? Is that, no, I don't think so. Or is I that think- just like a <laughs> directive? Like Jizz <laughs> in this lane. That was a road on the island. Please, yes, boy. Yeah. I mean, the felty sex parties, I got, I got to imagine, are a little more fun than humans. Well, parties. you know, more flexible. Everybody knows that Miss Piggy. Yeah, she's she's running it. She likes to squeal a lot. She, she is the madam. And Kermit's a big cuck. Um, of course he is. What can else can I say? Animal, animal gets laid a lot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. This all, yeah, it all tracks. Very good. Uh, you guys, the world and life still crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. But we find ourselves living in a world where we have an opportunity to emulate our. Favorite superhero comic book characters and do some good. You can literally right now, like Spider-Man, wear a mask, save the world. Nerd. Am I right? Isn't that essentially what we're doing? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. One way to look at it. All right. This is all to say we have masks for sale. Visit our uh. T public merch shop at Jockinerd dot com slash shop we have lots of awesome masks you're gonna need a bunch of them so you know like you gotta do spider-man but like you then you got like batman's and the the steve rogers the captain america's kind of doing it backwards you don't want that kind Are of they mask. wearing their mask backwards yeah, that's, that seems a, irrational yeah right it's their mask is not really gonna help right now well, not a lot of superheroes cover their mouths no they don't but have you noticed the supervillains may be a better role model in this case? You got your Banes. You got your Shredders from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. You got Scorpion. You Scorpion. got Scorpion. Sub-Zero. 
all the bad guys are smart because they're about to gas everyone and uh, they cover their mouth when they sneeze and cough. So be like the bad guys. Order a jock and nerd mask. You can have rug boy right on your mouth. Oh, you know, and it right? won't cost you anything extra. Well, nothing extra comes with a mask. Visit our shop link in the show notes. Jockandnerd.com slash shop. All right. I got a little bit of geek news I want to talk about. Let's get to it. The Jock, Jock and Nerd Podcast. We're going to dive back into 1999. One last time, listener. It's been quite an adventure reliving 1999 but i wanted to remind you guys and the listener this week is the week san diego comic-con's at home virtual event takes place geek boner it's very exciting for the first time 50 years everyone's invited to comic-con it's a party uh, it'll be the first time i'm at sdcc yes it'll be the, the first, first time. time we can all attend sdcc it will Anthony's take place been there i've never yes. been yes i have well, Anthony, the, the, July 22nd from 26th, it will all take place online. They are expected to be over 350 panels, and all this is going to happen on their YouTube channel. Hmm. There will be pre The panels will be pre-recorded, from what I understand. Some of the stuff you'll be able to watch later. Some things will only be up for a limited time. So they want people. So they've started to release the schedule uh, every hour by hour, what the content is. There's a couple of articles here that can uh, guide us as to what you're going to see. The Walking Dead will have a panel, of course. It can't be San Diego Comic-Con without The Walking Dead. Chris Hardwick will be there. Uh, Bob's Burgers is having a panel. There is a Disney show, Disney Plus Marvel show called Marvel 616. It's that anthology series that explores Marvel's 616 universe. They're going to have a panel. Other notable panels, Bill and Ted face the music. There is a Star Trek universe virtual panel and a couple other movies hbo's historic materials so the boys season two will have a panel there will be uh lots of television shows appearing who won't be there there is no marvel studios or lucasfilm uh presence at this virtual comic-con do you guys think you're going to take some time and try to catch any of these panels pop in pop out i'll check out some clips yeah like, would you go live to the YouTube page? If I remember to, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not really thinking about it. It's not my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds kind of fun, and there may be some reveals, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of reveals for big movies that not like, coming out. Like, I'm a loser, and I'm too busy to do this shit. <laughs> Fuck. It's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm there's... trying to figure out who's at home doing nothing. I mean, everybody is, I guess. I don't know. Maybe people will love it. Maybe it'll do well. I I personally won't go out of my way to watch it unless for some reason it crosses my mind and I have absolutely nothing that I'm doing. I mean, they need to release some big shit. But it, it's not like in my bones where I'm like, oh, I got to fucking do this. Like, it's not like been advertised enough or I mean, this is the first I've been really hearing about it. Well, I mentioned we, me. I mentioned we I mentioned this on the yeah, show, but I don't give a fuck it. about it enough right, to remember. Right. It's uh, and I, I don't listen to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, Nobody. I'm thinking about. Do you still have arrested right. serp uh, samples on your soundboard? That's what I don't. I should put those back in. Yeah. See, this is democracy manifest, gentlemen. This is democracy manifest. I mean, obviously, Anthony, you can't compare to the no. convention experience, which you still you had a good time when you went there. 
I did. You know, we, me and you went to a convention basically right on the precipice yep. of COVID exploding. Yep. C2E2 in February mm-hmm. was the last one, and that was a lot of fun. But look, with nothing else to do and uh, no content coming out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I'll let you know if anything was Listen, good. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. Text me immediately if anything yeah. good is happening. I will. <laughs> and that way I'm going to tune in. I will curate the fucking panels for you. They added, uh, I said there's no Marvel Studios movies, but there will be a Marvel movie just added today. It is the long-delayed, cursed film, The New Mutants. Oh, shit. Uh, they just put out a new trailer today, and they will have a panel at the virtual on you guys is it coming out on on streaming or what, what's no up they're still the date is still august 28th later this year i don't think no that's gonna happen uh quick update uh they apparently they every week they move mulan and tenant back another two weeks and then amc follows suit and moves their opening back two weeks so everything has been pushed into august and i still think i think that is even overly optimistic yeah, I mean, as these cases go up in a lot of hot spots, it just seems like a worse and worse idea to have a movie theater open. Right? That's uh yeah, even it, even at weird. any any reduced capacity. Uh it's, it seems just an, I mean, and I'm the one that on the show that was going, I think I'd be yeah, fine. I'm but ready. now I'm thinking about it, I'm going uh, uh, sitting in the same spot for 2 to 3 hours. Pass. How is uh how is good. Chicago doing by the way? Are they on the downswing or what's up with that? Anthony? We're slightly ticking up again, but not exponentially. So Illinois have been doing really good. They had it steady. The yeah. the city of Chicago itself is pretty well locked down. It's like surrounding areas. New like York that. is doing really well, except cops are getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I heard New York's doing well. We're on the precipice though where we had a press conference where the mayor was going. I'll shut the bars down again if this gets starts getting really bad. And whenever we're getting we're getting close enough where I might think about doing it. Don't fuck so. around with Lori Lightfoot. She will kick your ass. She will. She don't care. So yeah, they her analogy the other did you hear it? I, I think so. She goes some people make fun of me because I'm like the mom that will turn around if you guys are acting up. Yes. She's like, well, I'm not just the mom that's going to turn around from the party and take you back home. I'm the mom that's going to stop the car, make you walk home. So <laughs> yes. basically, don't fuck with me. She don't fuck around. It's yeah. it's quite fun to watch. The memes of her are amazing. Anyways, back to the New Mutants trailer. Uh, they're showing more footage. At this point, just release the whole movie in short teasers. Oh, shit. How about that? Just give me 20 minute segments. Put it out online. Just put it on Disney Plus already, you assholes. You're not, not on Disney Plus. That's that's uh, new, really, right? So yeah, not Hamilton, Hamilton, and oh, not yeah. until Mandalorian I already later. It. Yeah. Well, what you guys? Blew my load already. What'd you guys think of the this new trailer? With you get to see uh, was that Wolf Spain all fired up and a lot more powers and uh, uh, some more action. They, I mean, it's only fifty seconds. They still kind of have a horror vibe but they've definitely changed the vibe as far as a trailer yeah. from straight horror to more of your kind of typical superhero movie yeah a little bit with the same beats and trailer hit at the end with a, a big action scene so they, they looks like they're they're trying to get away from that horror vibe a little bit rugs anything new for you stick out in this well, I didn't watch it, so oh, no. Well, fuck off then. Uh, well, so here's but here's the thing I don't understand is like they're suddenly they're doing this big push for this movie for this August date. 
Uh, and I, all- yeah, I, I just didn't want to get involved in it because yeah. I know that like this movie's never coming out. So I'm like, I'm not even going to entertain <laughs> a dumb trailer. <laughs> Poor, poor like how many times have we movie? been jerked around by this? I believe this. Like they're up to like seven different dates. I don't know. I, I think that Jesus will come back before this absolutely. movie. Absolutely, <laughs> the rapture will happen. Aliens this. will come before the new mutants movie comes out. Oh, I feel so bad for this bastard step redheaded stepchild of a fucking movie trying to come out. Now here's further proof that this August 28th thing may not happen. I found this other article. On comicbookmovie.com, this dude, Doug Krutz, who is a managing director and senior research analyst at a company called Cohen. I'm not sure what they do. He is quoted as saying, we now expect domestic theaters to be largely closed until mid-2021. Oh, shit. In part because we don't think studios will be interested in releasing their largest movies into a capacity constrained footprint he's already saying they don't anticipate any new films released in fiscal year 2020 and it says here for disney that ends in september so yeah uh meanwhile tenant 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 did you see the story tenant needs to make 800 million dollars to fucking break even oh shit that's how the numbers break down. It's how not, much did it cost to make? I don't know. Like two, it must be like two hundred million dollars. It had two hundred million dollar budget, which is hefty. Yeah, they got a. I don't know why he's uh, he he must be just dead set on he putting is. it out, but he just needs to. They just need to take it take it back. Just wait. I think I don't know why they they unless it's costing them money to wait. I, I guess it's burning money in the hole in their pocket. Just all this money listed out there, but just wait. He seems dead set not only on putting it out in the theater, but in a packed theater. Like he wants a theatrical and with experience. no chairs in them. Yes, everyone just stand. How about that? <laughs> Did anybody get that reference? No. What was that from? Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Christopher Nolan. Um, oh, that's was, right. Uh, being talked about because he didn't let. Chairs allowed on a set. I kind of want people sitting that, around. Yeah, Anne Hathaway was talking about how he doesn't. He, it's like if you're sitting, you're not working, but if you're always standing, you're kind of your mind's active. And I kind of get that. It seems a, a little bit cruel, but I kind of make sense. Draconian. Also. It's a little draconian. But if you just don't have the opportunity to people to sit down, they're gonna fuck off and pull their phone out and 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 you know lose focus or whatever. And that's what he thinks, I guess. All right. <laughs> no. Ch- so well, Nolan, I guess people should yes. be. Not sitting in the theater. Then. Look, if he wants to put this out, then Nolan, build your own theater where there's no chairs, and I will come see Tenet. <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. How about that? So, uh, yeah, in the meantime, we got streaming movies. I don't know. Well, Why don't he just put it out on stream? No, they don't want to do I guess, that. They're I guess he lose. wants the full theater experience. Huh, he needs to this. make $800 million also. They're, gonna, they're not making that. And he's I mean, dead set I, on a theatrical experience release. Yes. Yeah, I guess. I I, I just the, the ridiculous prices that people are, are charging for stream and getting paid or getting for. Like the 20 bucks for King of Staten Island. Yeah, he could do 20 bucks for Tenant. I think I you'd pay. do 20 bucks. For, if, if King of Staten Island is going to set yes. the bar at 20 bucks. Yes, that should be standard. <laughs> yeah, it's a slam I mean, it dunk. Sucks. Yeah, but you're not and sucks it, for us. But still, you're not making anywhere near your opening weekend box office is the problem. So, I, I wonder. I wonder what the economics are. And listen, I pay twenty bucks for a lap do. dance. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's five minutes long. Yeah, but no, no you can't touch. Was no that contact. contactless. They lap don't even dance? take off their bottoms. Oh, it's fifteen dollars for the contactless lap dance. You get a little cut. So really? No yeah, they just uh-huh. float over you. Do they even have those now? <laughs> 
Anyways, life is still up in the air for the entertainment industry, as it were. Let's get back into an era when there were movies coming out. In fact, a year that was possibly the best year in movies ever, 1999. What year are we talking about again? 1999. Remember? Oh, again? How old were you again in 1999, Anthony? 11. You were 11, you bastard. So he was old enough to know what his penis was. (laughs) I didn't know what that was, yeah. Yeah. There's something happening down there. <laughs> I was 23. We're starting so. to beat the bishop at that point. Look, we're still in 1999. This is the last time. This is first of all. Let me check in. How are you guys feeling after watching 12 movies in three weeks? I all enjoyed from myself. I did. Too. I have been enjoying myself Me too. So this week I was going in a little bit like eh, I'm kind of tired of 99, and then by the end of it, I went. This was a lot of fun. I'm still having a lot of fun so with this. That's this is great. The thing. So, listener, check out our last episode where we discuss being John Malkovich, Magnolia, the Iron Giant, Office Space, and then the episode before uh, we talked about American Beauty, The Sixth Sense, The Matrix, and oh, and Office Space. That was the first one. I retyped. Well, movies we did so far. Yes. Anyway, there's still more to go, but like we're not, we might not do it. We're gonna like, cap it here. This we, yeah. we'll yeah. cap it if we want to revisit. We can. Yes, yeah. we need a break after this. I will need a break. But these four movies this episode we will be talking about: Eyes Wide Shut, Go, Talented Mr. Ripley, and Election. Also fucking entertaining to watch. Like it was kind of a lot of fun. Re- they, were, they had a lot of common themes. Yes, again. it was like it was weird how yes, yes. this particular four went together so well so you chose this grouping rugs any uh comments on yeah why? Why, why did you choose these four well these are things that you might have not seen that were off the beaten path a little bit like uh eyes wide shut has the only one that has like name recognition with stanley kubrick and they had like some kind of like major um well Cruz and kidman were dating at the time yeah okay. there was they a lot of, there was a we'll lot married, yeah. Yeah. a lot of juice in this one uh, but Go and Election were kind of like like little movies. Yeah. And Talented Mr. Ripley was kind of like um, an off-the-beaten-path type movie. They had done this movie before a couple yes. times. Yep. So yep. Um, it was weird that Matt Damon was the guy that they chose. And it was just uh, – I don't know if anybody, anybody was like expecting him to actually pull it off. You're dealing with this young up-and-coming cast that have all you know begun, so, went on to be huge. Like All of these have – like um, you might have missed them in the theater. You might not have known about them or you might have like uh, brushed them off as stupid movies or Oscar grab movies or whatever. And um, I just was very surprised that I subliminally picked these and they all kind of went together. It's quite amazing. Well done. Really well. Like it was like when you go to a dinner and like the fucking all the courses kind of like are vibing together and the wine works with it. Yeah. Like this is, it was all kind of like a good, it was a good week. I I like that analogy. All right, let's get into it. Of course, again, let me give you, if you haven't watched any of these movies, you had 21 years, go fuck yourself. Here's your spoiler alert. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. We're going to start with election, which on rotten tomatoes is at a 92% score average rating 7.82 out of 10. The budget for this movie, $25 million. Uh, it goes on to make $14 million. Just like you said, Rugs, a movie that... MTV movie. All, produced, almost. Uh, that's, no, no. I mean, it, it was produced, I, heard, I think, in tandem with MTV. Yeah, MTV oh, was the production. A, it was an MTV yeah. produced movie, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was Oscar nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, uh, this movie's directed by Alexander Payne. 
from a screenplay by Payne and writer Jim Taylor based on Tom Parada's 1998 novel of the same name, Election. This movie stars Matthew Broderick as a teacher, Jim McAllister, Reese Witherspoon as Tracy Flick, a name that has stuck around in pop culture. This is the film debut of Chris Klein, who, of course, goes on in American Pie, becomes a big star. Uh, then you got Jessica Campbell, Molly Hagan, Mark Herlick, Phil Reeves, and I think that is your main cast there. Delaney Driscoll, uh, also in there. Anthony, had you ever seen this movie before? No. No. Okay. No. Well, give us the, uh, the plot synopsis. It's kind of straightforward. <laughs> For what it's worth, this movie, for the guy that wrote the book about 1999 being the best year, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe he said this was his favorite movie from the year. He so. did. I, I, I have a quote from him later. Okay. Why? But yes. Okay. Uh, what is this movie about? Yeah. Uh, this movie is about a high school election for the president of the class or president of the student committee in Omaha, Nebraska, where this girl played by Reese Witherspoon is going for the presidency and is basically the perfect student on paper yet also steps over everybody. Um, she has had an affair with one of her teachers. The best friend of this teacher and played by Matthew Broderick knows about this affair and goes basically out of his way to try to stop her from winning the election. And, it's basically a, a dark comedy about this guy's attempt to stop her and his crumbling life because of it. Yeah, about his failure. Uh, the director, Alexander Payne, after this, goes on to do movies like About Schmidt, with Jack Nicholson, Sideways, uh, which is kind of quirky, The Descendants, Nebraska, and then Downsizing, where he shrinks Matt Damon. They're all good movies. Yeah, he's a very quirky, unique director. Rubs, let's start with you. What did you think of Election? One of the things that <laughs> the first thing that comes up in my mind is that I think of Rushmore, which came out the year before, yeah. which is about a, a student and or a teacher that whatever that was obsessed with the teacher and all that stuff. So I always get these two movies confused. Yeah, yeah. Because they're high school weirdo movies. Rushmore's uh, Rush Anderson. Yeah, Westmore's yeah. Rushmore's Westmore is <laughs> is Rushmore Wes Anderson, and it is very Wes Anderson of a film. Yeah. And it put like you know, Bill Murray's in it, so all the great things about that. So for some reason, when I went into this, I'm like, I kept thinking about Rushmore, and I, I was like, oh, this movie, I remember, and I totally, totally forgot about. It. Like for some reason, it kept on overshadowing my memory of this movie. So when I watched it, it was like watching it again for the first time. Nice. And I was pleasantly surprised by it. And I thought it was great because it's a movie about ethics and morals. Yep. Right. It's a movie about, um, you know, the, what is the difference? And the ethics are what um, people expect you to, to do. Like society ex puts these expectations on you. So those are ethics. And morals is what you personally believe. Tracy Flick, she seems to be ethical, but she's not moral. Yeah. And- the best thing like that this guy could do morally is to stop her from winning the election because she's cheated. So he's doing he's doing the morally right thing, but ethically the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. So it is a, the interplay of when those things collide. And it's a very interesting film about that. It's so I mean, I think that I, I enjoyed this film a lot, even though it's very dark. I mean, it's like American Beauty, a dark yeah. film. 
And um, 1999 is rife with those dark films. And I think 1999 was like they were trying to get all of this darkness out before the 2000s came in. Really? You know? yeah. yeah. I uh, I you know, I think I've seen this movie once, and that uh, and this was the second time watching it. But I also I found it darkly comic. I, the performances are very good. Uh, I thought the writing was really funny. I love Matthew Broderick. It's ironic that this is like Ferris Bueller. Is this Him Ferris? running is just hilarious yeah, he's throughout funny. this whole yeah. film. So he's like the opposite of Ferris, but like, could this be Ferris Bueller grown up and ends up, uh, you know, as a school counselor or teacher. And I see it as a satire of like the two party system and throwing a third party in there and election fraud. A lot of people say uh, th- that they connect with those themes. I do have a feeling Anthony does not like this movie. Am I right, Anthony? So this movie was hyped up because of the because of this one guy that I uh, told said that it was his favorite movie, and I put on my Instagram. I'm watching this movie. I find it hard to believe it was the best uh, movie. Oh, shit. Um, but I watched it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, I thought this was. <laughs> So you're wrong, Imran. Um, oh shit, I'm off. Okay. I thoroughly, I thoroughly, I thought it was clever. I thought it was freaking hilarious. Uh, Reese Witherspoon plays the, the biggest B you've ever met in your yes. life. Yes, uh, Matthew Broderick. It feels like Ferris Bueller grew up. Yeah, and is now this sad. And his life sucks. Yeah, that is trying to have an affair with his neighbor and has a bee sting his eye. I mean, it's just this, the, some of the writing is so, it's so dark, but it's so ridiculous and so clever. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire movie. I, I enjoyed it for on its face value. I enjoy the, the allegories to real life elections. I enjoyed the themes of uh, ethics and, and morals, the whole thing. I mean, it's just, very, I mean, I, I'm surprised I never heard of it. I, I thought it was a very, very well done hey, you movie. You know what? It was a forgettable movie when I first watched it, to yeah. be honest with you, because there was another movie like it before. And I, so I kind of it overshadowed it in my mind. But like watching it again, I was like, wow, how come I don't remember this movie? It does so many directorial things like moving the camera and cutting and the editing and all that stuff is really, really well done. And um, it's very impressive. So I could see that this guy would go on to make other great films like the descendants and and uh the one when they go to the winery i forgot the name of that sideways one. sideways yeah, I love yeah, that with, with, yeah with paul giamatti very yep. fucking good movie yeah um yeah so like this film it's just like very progressive in its thinking as well like see we, we don't you guys don't know like in the 90s this is like a long time ago but we were already the society was already there with a lot of this stuff and we were all thinking about these these kind of things it's um questioning politics, questioning the moral, all the stuff that people are doing on, on Facebook right now and, and Twitter, like, you know, virtue signaling and kind of all this type of things, like acting one way, but actually being another way uh, personally, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, there is a lot to think about. Uh, it does give you a lot to chew on and it's actually a really good experience. It's just fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun, dark movie. And um, American beauty is a fun, dark movie yeah. sometimes too. Similar. So it, it kind of like it's somewhere in in that vibe. And I like that. I miss movies like this a lot. Like we don't really have these anymore because people don't have the stomach for them. Like Knives Out is probably the like one of the ones that is kind of on the same level. I would say that I recently saw. Yeah. That has a, the bite to it that it does it because like Knives Out is dark and it's an allegory and there's all this stuff, but it's fun to watch. Um, and this, so this is kind of like, 
like that, that type of filmmaking that we don't get to see as much. I, I'm really like uh, wowed by this film. Like I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did the second time. Alexander Payne's uh, movies. I just watched this video about that. The, his movies that he writes and directs, a lot of them deal with failure. And you have a perfect example of middle age, this guy, Broderick, middle age crisis and just failure and what failure does to people, what choices it makes them make. When that lady, Linda Novotny, yeah, the, girl, the, the, the whatever her, yeah, Novotny, yeah. when he tells her, let's get a room, right? And yeah. then she's like, oh, whatever. And he plays it off. You know, you know, he threw it out there, you know. And then he went for it again. No, but no, she, she went for it. And oh. then she sold him down the river yeah. and told yeah. his wife. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, the betrayal is so fucking well, great. Like, when he calls her, he goes, wait a minute, you kissed me. Yes. You're the one that suggested this. And now I love you. You told her. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like... <laughs> Just the 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 desperation and the and the just the 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 he's so appalled that she would tell on him and ruin his life like that. Uh, the only thing that would be worse if he didn't fuck her, but he already did in that morning. So I was, at least that was. He, he got, I mean, got even laid. just the little the little things like he he's cleaning out the fridge and he throws someone's food on the ground. Yeah, and the janitor sees and it. and the janitor sees yeah. it. But and you know and and morally. He did, he was wrong for throwing someone's fridge out, someone's food out of the fridge just to clear space. But the janitor sees it, and then it ends up biting him in the ass the at the end. The janitor rats him out because the janitor rats him out. On I mean, I, I, I love what McAllister goes through. Like while he's ha- having this disaster with his marriage and Linda Novotny, and gets stung in the eye with a bee, can't catch a break. Then uh, over here. You have Tracy Flick just pushing all his fucking buttons. And what an incredible, like, this is one of Reese Witherspoon's best performances I've ever seen. Everyone has known someone like Tracy Flick who's just too much, just too ambitious, too uh, accomplished, too hardworking. It's fucking annoying. Well, what's great, too, is she she wins the election. Yeah, yeah. And she, she kind of wins a little bit in terms of social status in life. Yeah. She's not happy. It's clear that she's not happy with college either. It wasn't what she's... Ex- but she wins in life. And you, you, the whole movie, you want her to lose. Yet she wins. And the only comeuppance she gets is he just throws his shake at her. <laughs> at the limo. <laughs> at, the, yeah. at the limo and runs away. But like, it just... It's so, it felt so true to what would really happen. But did you notice something weird about that? Like, Tracy Flick is clearly the model of, of liberalism, right? Like, Hillary Clinton has been called Tracy Flick the whole time. Like, Elizabeth Dole, Hillary Clinton... But at the end, she's working for a Republican senator. Oh, shit. I was like, that's. So would Hillary in a second. Well, I guess they can. Yeah. The, the climb. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because this is her thing. She would step over whoever she needed to, yeah, to she, get what she wanted. Thing. She didn't give a fuck. And then one of my favorite things is you got you got the fucking good hearted jock who is moral. Chris Klein. Yes. And he's yes. like this innocent dude. And he, he just kind of gets swept up in this. And. He's actually very uh, empathic and and he's like really thinking about other people's feelings the whole time. And it's totally a turn on the trope. Right. So the jocks are supposed to be an asshole. His vote, him being so em- empathetic, his vote wins for Tracy. Yeah, because he, he voted, just votes for himself. He voted for her. He wins. Yeah. Exactly. The one he vote votes for her because he feels it's wrong to vote for yourself. And then that moment <laughs> where he's where McAllister sees Tracy Flick celebrating in the hallway before and he's like oh fuck this oh, i mean bitch. even like the little freeze frames where it's like <laughs> yes. the most 
un, un, un uh, awkward, uh, yeah, unflattering, unflattering angle. Yes, yeah. yeah, she's always twisted face. I love the, the, the speech from Chris Klein yeah. where he just he's so nervous that he just. That's exactly the speech ninety five percent of the people in that so, audience would make. You know, here's what else I loved. Like it felt very genuine. Like these felt like real people. It had a genuine high school feel. And the reason for this is Alexander Payne went back to his high school in Omaha, Nebraska, shot this there, used a lot of the students as extras. Now, check this out. When Chris Klein read that, I was like, this guy is either an amazing actor, because that's hard to do, read it like you do, you're not acting, or he's not an actor. Turns out, Chris Klein had never acted before. Alexander Payne discovers him. He was just, he went to high school there. He got in the movie. Payne discovers him, and he goes in the same year, makes American Pie, becomes a big star. So that reading of that fucking... And then he was in the Street Fighter movie. Oh, and John Lee, where movie. is he now, though? He's not doing much now. Know. We should it? get him on the podcast. We can get Chris Klein on the podcast. That's the type of talk guy that about, we need. Talk about election. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the editing is fantastic. You clearly see the influences of, like, casino and Goodfellas-type camera work and editing, cutting to the music, the multiple characters' point of view, voiceover. Like, here's a case where voiceover isn't just giving you exposition, lazy exposition. You learn about each of these characters. And that reminded me of like Fight Club and another movie we're going to talk about, Go and Ripley. They all kind of started with voiceovers. Um, any other connections to the other movies that you see? I mean, it is about... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start with saying that this is the first of multiple films that we, we we're going to talk about where one actor is appearing in two movies from this year. Oh, Chris Klein yes. is in American Pie yep. and yeah. this movie. Yeah, every almost every movie has a double. Uh, yeah. So yeah. strange. And they do. Yeah, they're doing it in the same year. It's kind of crazy that they come out in the same year. Big, big movies, too. I also love that during this glut of teen movies in the 90s, this is not this is an R-rated high school teen black oh, it's a dark comedy. Movie. Yeah, it's well, a you dark had the whole movie. thing about the, the lesbian girl. Yeah. And the girl who like had started dating her brother, yeah, Lisa Flanagan, out of spite, and then she, and then the lesbian sister runs out of spite. And I love her anarchy speech. She's like, "I'll shut down the government. You vote for me." Yeah. So there is a it's there is an anarchist movement yeah. in this. So he yeah, as well. She gets the biggest um, crowd reaction too. He said, uh, "Payne said he was this. Uh, he was inspired by the 1992 election where it was Clinton." And uh, Bush and then Ross Perot inserted himself as the third party, <laughs> blew everything up. Oh, shit. That was the whole sister deal. It was That's like great. the third party come in and then election fraud, like shenanigans happen all the time. Well, I mean, the movie starts out on the fact that Tracy Flick is basically being, was it, would you consider that statutory rape? Oh, yeah. But, well, she's <laughs> consented, but yeah, she's under 18. She, yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, do you remember <laughs> when he tried to bring that up to her? Oh yeah, she turns it around so quick. Oh um, my god, she, that that scene when she turns it around on him, you hate her forever. Yeah, after yeah. that point, you're just yeah. like, oh my god, this girl is the biggest bitch I've ever seen in my life. Let's not forget my favorite fucking scene in the movie is the quick shot of Matthew Broderick washing his balls in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell if he was jerking it god. to get get one out. No, before. he's cleaning up before like the empty fucking... the chamber out so he lasts longer, or I, he's I, like, or he's washing his balls. I love that he he has a pop quiz so he can go freshen up the motel. <laughs> yeah, pop that, and he's running. And he yeah, running. he could have used the manscape package with the ball deodorant and the toner and the shaved oh, it. Yeah. Then great he goes back to the motel and the guy's like same room he's like oh yeah, yeah whatever well, that's fine after his <laughs> wife kicks him out oh my god oh uh, she's like fill me up yeah <laughs> <having sex. laughs> 
He's staring at her boobs. Like it's the, the he, he's imagining <laughs> as she's he's doing yes, her from behind Novotny, and then he's imagining Tracy Flick. Tracy Flick floating head on top of it. Oh, that was another shit. great part. I wish Novotny was a little bit hotter. That would yeah. been that, that kind of killed it for him. She's kind of got like the next door. No, yeah, she milfie. was not. She was no, not. She attractive. was not attractive. <laughs> she looked way older than him too. Uh, yeah, yeah, she did. She did. But look, he, Matthew Broderick still looked like he was from Ferris. He could have maybe been a, a kid in that. Movie. I liked him. Imagine that this is Ferris grown up and he's stuck it, in a shitty job. That's it. fucking hilarious. Uh, McAllister has to stop the Tracy Flicks of the world. Oh, another great scene is when he's explaining democracy and he's like, you can vote. And they're all just the same circles. It's like you're choosing between the same circle. Uh, oh, yeah, as and, simple and as Chris the Klein just yeah. like, he's like, what? But I like bananas. <laughs> too, <laughs> I like actually. bananas. I like bananas. What's your favorite fruit? <laughs> oh, apples. Fucking oh, Klein uh, is. I mean, the whole thing. Good. There's so many clever. Even the ending when he's a teacher at the museum, and yeah. then there's that little kid that's he can. You can tell is the next Tracy Flick willing to answer his question. He he's won't like, pick God, out of. He's like, uh, you can't escape. Like, fuck you. You can't escape the Tracy Flicks of the world. <laughs> oh, I shit. think that's one of the messages of this movie is they're going to be out there, and you need they're to stop terrible them. people, yeah. and they're going to take over. So they, they. I watched. There was another clip online with an, a different ending that they shot. The original ending. It's not as good. This ending is. Perfect. Perfect. The way they left it off with him throwing the Pepsi at the limo. The original ending, he hadn't moved out of Omaha and he was working at a car dealership and Tracy Flick comes to buy a car from him and they drive to her house and she brings in the yearbook and they like sort of apologize and they sign it. Uh, they kind of settle. No, it's not, it was not good at you all. Don't, you don't want yeah. them to. You don't want them to ever. You want him to hate her for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. He's like, who does she think she is? Like, because that's reality, dude, right there. Imagine. I, lo- what I he- love that he's living in New York yeah. and he goes. I have a my place has character and it's, it's a fifteen hundred dollar apartment <laughs> yes. with a bathroom in yes. the kitchen. Dude, those are accurate. <laughs> New York. I've seen apartments like that. Those are accurate New York apartments. Just one room. <laughs> You shit in the sink. You shit in the sink. You shower in the fucking. Uh... I I was I thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I I went into the movie definitely like I'm not gonna like this movie and I and I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm it. surprised. So that dude you mentioned, Brian Rafferty, he's the author. His book is called Best Movie Year Ever: How 1999 Blew Up the Big Screen. Here's what he says about why election is the best movie. He says, I vote for election. I could give you a million specific reasons from the script to the performances, but it's simply because it feels perfectly executed in every way possible. And for what it's worth, a lot of the people I interviewed, including David Fincher, Sofia Coppola, put it at the top of their list or very near it. And it is. It's it's widely acclaimed. People love it. And I can see why. I just kind of forgot about the movie, too, Rugs. Yeah, it's like you forget about it and you're like, why did I forget about this great movie? And I wonder how many other movies I forgot that were great. If if this if the Oscars were ten, yeah, and I had a choice in picking ten movies, I would have probably included this that year in the best ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was it was just so clever and entertaining and it's witty. When you throw yeah. in the allegories to real life, it, yeah. that just takes it over the a top. A great comedy of bad morals uh, that you rarely get. Ma- Matthew Broderick is just so fucking funny. He is he's great. He, everything he does at some point in the movie, he starts it just turns on him. Yeah. And he, his reactions, he has, a, he has yeah. somewhat good into like yes. you're kind of rooting for him because you, you're like, uh, he's not happy with his wife. Just cheat, whatever. Or and you want and you want and you don't want him to. You want him to cheat on the 
on the election results. Like, and it, it just all backfires so badly. I, I mean, his guy. facial reactions are amazing. Like when he walks in, when they figure out he he fucked with the election, and then just his face is amazing. You're like the principal is such fuck. a dickhead too. Yes, he played, played a very good dickhead. The, the, the bee sting in his eye. He's, oh, fuck, fuck! I can't catch a break. <laughs> this poor sack. What a schlub. <laughs> and she and she and the way Tracy thinks of him as this she's like this guy can't even impregnate his own wife and he's a teacher at yeah. the same school te- saying the same things over and over I'm just like wow that's kind of true yeah. but that's such a bitchy thing to think so about harsh she's fucking yeah. harsh well, I mean like the reality is any job that you do you're going to be doing the same fucking thing every yeah, day that's what office year. space is about you know, right, like, right. the banality of it although I remember thinking that about teachers when I was going to school because at some point it hits you you're like wait a minute you teach the same shit over and over again right. every year. That's got to be a kind of a weird thing. A big thing. thing for this teacher was the relationships. He he really invests in yeah. the relationships he has with his students. He helps them. But he could never do that with no. Tracy because his best friend was screwed over <laughs> by this girl. He was talking about her pussy. Yeah, he's like, and her pussy, pussy gets so wet. He's like, don't, don't say that. I don't want that. You can't say that. That was great. He's like, a pussy gets that, so that's, wet. That's when he gets corrupted. I, I think if, he never, if that teacher never says that to this character, he never gets corrupted by this. And you also get the feeling that McAllister both hates her and is kind of attracted to her at the same time. Tracy yeah, well, Flick. he's dreaming about her when he's fucking yeah. his wife. Yeah. He wants to hate fuck her. He wants to hate fuck her. Yeah. Absolutely. He uh, would like to do that just to expose her. Can you see a movie like this coming out now? Oh, oh my God, with the fucking... Uh, like, Knives Out was a movie, but it was also a critique on, like, you know, like, whatever, like, the government and, you know, Trump and all that stuff is under underlying... So it yeah. was like punching. It was punching down. Yeah. This is like punching everywhere. I mean, and just like American Beauty, you have a relationship with an older man, younger girl. Like, I don't know. Nowadays, I mean, Lolita. I think. I think eventually, you'll will this the appetite for this stuff is is going to come back. It's just, it felt so authentic and genuine, right? Like, it did, yeah. Real reactions. He didn't these think kids. that there was a bunch of suits making decisions on this film. No, Alexander Payne. To his credit, you watch all his other movies. He he makes all the decisions. He's always in complete creative control. I'm actually surprised when I saw MTV as a production. I thought it was going to be a little more sterilized, yeah, but yeah. it's not. No, MTV was going for it in those days. Yeah. They were trying to make a name for it. Like, the 90s were the time. Yep. Yeah. Like to really embrace what, like your art. That that was a great time for for that, for being creative. It was That's why I mean Weinstein and all these guys that are they funded and produced Miramax all these films made tons of these movies. Yeah, and they were they put themselves on the map. Yeah, um, they can't risks. compete in today's uh, you know type of you know franchise filmmaking market that there is, and then the global market. The global market when the theaters can only play here and have to live and die on on what they make here. Yeah, things are a little different. Mm-hmm. So. It's a whole yeah. different ball game, my friends. Sure is, listener. You'll start yeah. to see. I think just real quick, you'll start to see these types of movies, but you'll start to see them released on streaming. It You're will, yeah. We felt like we said last theaters. week. It will yeah. cycle back, but it's going to be in a different format. The the, the streaming services because they're so hungry for content. They can take will the take risk. risks. Yeah, like absolutely. And, and you actually pay out money. They got the money. Like Netflix will pay Netflix, for. Yeah, I mean, Netflix gave X amount of dollars yeah. to that guy that made Extraction. Granted, it's an action film, yeah. but that guy never directed anything. Yeah, they're like, fuck it, go wild. Do it. We're Netflix. Whatever. We don't I just, care. I just think that these companies are too worried about repercussions. Yeah. yeah Blowback. Yeah, we'll, bad we'll press. 
Uh, listener, join the conversation. What about percussion? Percussion? Those are drums. Oh, okay. Well, that's Congress? if you're drumming. Yes. Mr. <laughs> you have to what, worry about it. What you talking about, Mr. Drumming? Uh, listener, join the conversation. Join our awesome Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's a place that you can chat with other listeners and us in between listening to the shows. You can get your geek fix on. Geek motor. And you can also express uh, disappointment. Floppy jock. Uh, for things as well. I, you know, you could do both things. But it's a lot of fun. Our listeners are great. Uh, check it out. It's closed exclusive. Let's move on. To our next movie of the episode, this one is The Talented Mr. Ripley. Rotten Tomatoes, 83%, 7.36 out of 10 average rating. The budget of this movie, $40 million. Worldwide, this thing actually makes some money. $128 million box office when all said and done. This one, written and directed by Anthony Mignella. It's an adaptation of Patricia Highsmith's 1955 novel of the same name. There are four more novels that she wrote about this character, Tom Ripley, and there's a bunch of adaptations. And there's some movies, too, by the way. And there's one starring John Malkovich. Yeah, there's a Malkovich movie and one, uh, one of the sequel adaptations of the Ripley one is, books. One is French. Yeah. So this sociopath character goes on. Um, so... Writer-director Anthony Magnella at the time, this was post-English Patient, and he won at the Academy Award for Best Picture uh, for English Patient. And then, wait, I had a note in here. There was something really sad. He died of a hemorrhage? He dies in 2014. Um, 20, you have here 2008. I don't know oh, about that. Oh, 2008, with yes. 1999, but okay. No, but, Edit that out, Imran. <laughs> no, it's just it's kind of <laughs> sad because he, he does go on to make um, some good movies. Uh, like, oh. uh, it's just he died at fifty four, very young. He was oh, it was a, okay. a, a complications from surgery. Uh, yeah, like a cancer surgery. Yeah, he had a cancer surgery, and then he started hemorrhaging. But he did the oh, English. Well, wait, wait to wait to really just put this. Well, he's a very talented director, and you're like, hey, what has he done lately? Nothing, because he's uh, dead. Exactly. But um, he's not uh, the only director to die after making a movie. We're going to talk about. So he does Cold Mountain. Well, technically, every director dies after making a movie. Well, eventually. Yeah. Breaking and entry. I just thought it was sad because I was exactly like Rug said. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, what else has this guy done? And uh, but so cast, here's your cast. You have Matt Damon post Goodwill Hunting, which got him the best original screenplay Oscar. Gwyneth Paltrow coming off Shakespeare in Love, which she won a best actress Oscar. You got Kate Blanchett fresh off a best actress nomination for Elizabeth from 1998, she lost to Gwyneth Paltrow in that race. Uh, and it was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Jude Law, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Original Score. Uh, Anthony, you had not seen this one either. I have seen this one. Oh, you this have? This is one of the movies out of these four that I've seen multiple times and remember. Also, you have another appearance of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who we yeah. saw in Magnolia. Yeah. Exactly, second guy, uh, and and Philip Baker Hall, who yeah. is also in Magnolia. Also in Magnolia. <laughs> so lot, they just kind of like went across the street to this movie. Well, they had to fly to Italy for this shit. Anthony, what is the talented Mister Ripley about? Talented Mister Ripley is about this, I guess, a sociopath that is great at forgery and happens to, by happenstance, run into a rich guy who thinks he went to. Uh, school with his son his son being jude played by jude law is in italy and he sends matt damon 
thinking that Matt Damon is Jude Law's friend, um, Dickie. Dickie Greenleaf. Uh, Dickie Greenleaf. Sen- Dickie Greenleaf, played by Jude Law, sends him over to Italy with the mission of getting him back to America. But uh, this sociopath gets so obsessed with Dickie Greenleaf, sexually and just with his life, that he decides to want to become Dickie Greenleaf. And we, we see what happens. Uh, I'm going to start this one because I think I only saw this once way back in 1999 and I'm watching it again this week. Holy fuck. I forgot how good this fucking movie is. It was, I found it an amazing, compelling story. You're watching Matt Damon as Tom Ripley become this sociopath serial killer. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of like the Instagram celebrities today, maybe a little Billy McFarland from the fire festival, Billy McFarland. Uh, but what a great, again, a thriller about identity and existential dread. Uh, I, I forgot how, but in the lush scenery, I fucking loved it. Uh, Anthony, what'd you think? Having seen this a few times, I wa- looked at the runtime for this. I go, damn, two, two hours, Long 15 one. minutes, seen it a little bit. Feel like this is going to be long. Just getting through this. I watched it again. I'm like, damn, this movie moves fast for two hours mm-hmm. and fifteen minutes. Jumps right into it. Just as good as the previous times I've seen it. Jude Law is great in this movie. Matt Damon is super compelling. What's really interesting about this movie is Matt Damon is is by all accounts just a horrible, a psychotic creep. Yep. Like he, he is a creep. He does, you don't ever want to be around someone like that. He's a monster, as you said. Yet, this movie makes you kind of root for him to get away with He's everything. He's so charming, though. <laughs> He's not even. I don't. I wouldn't find him charming. You just for whatever reason, you're just so in, infatuated like him. Yeah. Uh, with just the lifestyle, how is he going to get away with yeah. this? And the movie makes Italy seem really creepy oh. and and scary. And um, there's just this whole sense of dread throughout the entire film. Yet you can't help but not look at it and just go who else is he going to kill how is he going to get away with this how long can he keep up this charade so even though i've seen it a few times i was i was still thoroughly entertained when did you see this first i I saw it when it came out because my mom mom or dad rented it as big fans of of matt damon and i watched it and i went this isn't what I was expecting as a kid. I was going, I thought he was like a heartthrob. What's going on here? Yeah, why mom? is he, why is he this gay dude that wants <laughs> yeah. to be another dude? I, I guess the only criticism I would have is, is what you just mentioned is that they kind of attach him being gay to being creepy, especially with his like infatuation with Jude law. But other than that, I, I still think the movie's very good and I, holds up. Well, I think that, well, yeah, I think that the, for it to work, it, it, that kind of crime of passion has to occur. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it makes sense in that, in that way. But yeah, I could see how it's problematic. Um, if you look at it that way, right. but, um, I love this movie because I, unlike you, I don't think that Italy is, I think is it's creepy. Looked, I felt like I went on vacation. I felt like, uh, well, you see like a few different, um, aspects of, uh, of Italy, uh, where they are. Mangiabello is actually Mount Etna, which is in Sicily. And um, it's it's off the beaten path. It's like uh, there's a big uh, touristy place called Terramina right next to it. That's where all the people go. And then Mangiabello is like an offskirt of it. And um, that's where you get the real like ass backwards Sicilian people that like are still like really fucked up in the head and like uh, kind of like retrograde. 
So, um, so, but they're that's where they're hanging out. That's where they're living life. That's where they're enjoying San being Remo. people. Yeah. Because and San Remo is like this other place uh, that's um, actually a little bit more highbrow. Yeah. So, um, and that's on the mainland in Sicily, in Italy, actually. So you get to see a little bit about like you never really get the feeling that they're going to Italy on a ferry or anything, which is weird because they never like had make the distinction that they're on an island or and they're going to Italy. But well, that town whatever. is made up too, Mangiabello. Like I think it. It's a, I don't think it's a real. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it, yeah, well, it's, it's basically Mount Etna. Right. So, uh, that's where it's staged. So anyhow, you, you fall in love, you can fall in love with it. You can think it's creepy. Uh, it's got its charm to it. I, I did, uh, feel like I was on vacation yeah. while I was watching. I loved the fucking locations, the lush opulent settings, the fashion of the period, like the clothes are fucking great. Uh, I love the jazz music. Uh, and it is, it's the story of like yearning to do something more, something different. It is, I think Tom Ripley himself is confused. He like wants to be with or be Dickie Greenleaf that moment with the bathtub where they're playing chess. They have that little tense moment. And then that leading up to the completely organic crime of passion where he just shoved, like just kills him on the boat. And then you're like, fuck, what are you going to do now? And then. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, what's that guy's name? Well, who did he play? Freddie Miles. Freddie Miles all up is, is all up in his shit, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna have to fucking kill Freddie too now. And he kills like three people in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Freddie Miles is such a scumbag, yeah. but yet he's also the smartest guy, and right away, right away realizes, oh, this guy's a fake. Ripley's there's something up with this guy. Yeah, this he's guy calling is him out. Yeah, all. But one of the things I love about this, even though he is the smartest guy, Ripley shows uh, Jude Law his cards right off the bat in the first conversation. He tells him everything. He's like, I copy people. I'm a con man. I, you know, I I tell a lot of lies. Yeah. I do impressions. Well, I love where he's doing his dad and saying the exact words. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, uh, how's he going to take this? Uh, But he tells him everything. Yeah. Right there. And I think Dickie initially likes that he's fawning over him and he can kind of train him. But then when he's like, you, you can be a leech and you're boring and he's just done with him. And you kind of, you feel crushed. Like Ripley feels crushed. Why would you tell him that on a boat? Right. That was a bad idea. <laughs> Nobody's around. Oh, nobody knows where you it's are. It's the worst place. <laughs> Dickie does not know what he's doing. I love Yeah. And you're right. I love he how- can fuck all kinds of girls, but he doesn't know like that. You don't want to fucking break up with somebody on a boat. It's weird. In the middle of a fucking harbor. It was the wrong place to do it. Yeah, he blew it. But I do love how Italy becomes a character in the movie. You know, it's one of the characters. And Gwyneth Paltrow's good. Kate Blanchett, both are, are very she good. She was this. better in this movie than she was in the other Shakespeare movie that she got the Oscar for. Yeah. She's great in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, um, the, the Regarding the Italy thing, I think in beginning, it, it for me, it's very beautiful. But when that dead body comes out of the water, the movie oh, turns yeah. into this just creepy movie. I, I, I felt like any, every, even Italy, even all the scenery, I'm like, there's just something haunting about yeah. the mansion that he's staying mm-hmm. in or the, you know, the streets or the, 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 the play that he's at. Everything's just now turned a little bit. I mean, the play is about this guy getting shot and you see all the blood. Well, and all yeah. that. Like it's just, Oh yeah. It just becomes this very strange. So creepy this movie. is the beauty of the movie is it sucks you in with good looking people with fashion, with amazing locations. And then it slowly exposes everything you're looking at as corrupt and broken and empty. 
And by the end, you do kind of get that dirty so taste in your mouth. Let's talk about the characters. All right. You got Margot, who's there to write her book, and she's kind of like a rich kid. Marge Sherwood. Marge. Yeah. Sure, Marge. She's there, and she's like a rich kid American. writing book. Yeah. She's an American. Then you got Dickie, who's there. He's he's there to fuck, fucking piss his dad off. That's why he's there. Yeah, he's there to just fuck off. He's yeah. He's he doesn't get. He wants to make his dad squirm, and then he works with with Ripley to do that, right. and they kind of form this bond over that, which was kind of like a genius turn for him to decide. Oh, I'm going to use his dad as my in to fucking into his life, and he starts sponging off of him. And then you got the friend who shows up and knows that fucking something stinks, and uh, that guy has to die. So I mean, you have all this interplay of these people that are kind of. Some people are looking out for each other and whatever, but he's kind of using it to his advantage and he's manipulating people. And it's, it's very, I, I can't think of a movie that has done this as well. I, I, I love oh, absolutely. Matt, Kate Blanchett as Meredith Loghow. And some people know him as Dickie and some people well, know he, him yeah. as Tom. And he's got to play with well, that. Yeah, that's, the basic. that's the first real sign. Like he kind of fakes it till he makes it to get to Italy. But then right off the bat, you know that something's up when he let he just tells her I'm Dickie Greenleaf. Yeah, he's like he just and goes like, with it. Oh, okay. Like you're not just learning about the guy Jude Law's life as Dickie Greenleaf and wanting to become him. You're already starting to play this so game. So this is the other thing that's fascinating. I want to ask you guys. Like we're this is an origin story for a serial killer, essentially a con man, a sociopath, a Dexter type thing. Uh, yeah. Yes, but initially in the beginning, the whole thing starts with his voiceover going. I should never have borrowed that jacket from my friend. So he right away just goes with the misunderstanding and gets him the connection with the green leaf. I also love how Damon, when he gets caught, you could see in his face that the gears are turning and he, he calmly comes out with the right response to always get away with it. But did he? So initially when he started talking to the dad, did he, he didn't know he was going to meet someone like Dickie at what point? Is he like I'm gonna? I want to be this guy. Did he commit to just keep going? Like in the begin from the beginning, I, of think, this movie that, I to- think that he was thinking. Listen, I'm gonna get a free ride to Italy. Yeah, I'm gonna yep. try. I'm gonna Money. give it an honest try, but and uh, see if I could, you know, parlay. But then when he figured out that he could parlay his dad in, and then he could keep it going for a long time, like he was overstaying his welcome. He's you know, cashing checks under his well, name. I, th- I think he he sees Dickie Greenleaf on the beach with his girl. He's watching him first from binoculars. Yeah. And I think right off the bat, he's, he's attracted to him. Oh, of course. And then, and then he meets him and Dickie Greenleaf, Dickie Greenleaf's girl, Marge invites him over for dinner. And then that's when he realizes he has his in and he sees how rich this guy is. And then it just, it cascades from it. And the, what's great about this is the, with the writing is Jude Law's character as Dickie Greenleaf, you know, lets him in, but also is the type of guy that, uses people yep. right so he uses people real quickly lets them go uses people real qu- and in the end it kind of bites him in the ass because yeah. he uses dicky yeah. or he uses Tom. uh to- mr ripley yeah. and that's the wrong person you want to use because that guy is a fucking sociopath he's not going anywhere kill you. Yeah. yeah he's never leaving your ass but he's a leech tom ripley at the beginning of this movie i would argue was not a sociopath by the the journey he takes and where he ends up by the end of this movie is fucking crazy it's amazing Somewhat. I mean, yeah, I mean, but he, he, I would, I would agree he's not as extreme, but right off the bat, he can do, he learns forgery and how to impersonate. That's people. true. I think that what happens is, okay, um, he loses, I think that the, the scene where you know that he's lost his shit is when he's trying on his clothes. 
Oh yeah, and he's dancing yeah. around. Yeah, he's dancing oh around. Like, what are you doing? Like, he's gone too far. Yeah. Like he, he's now he his mind. He, he's in love with this guy mm. or obsessed with this guy to an end where he's kind of lost control of what the situation is, and he goes in too far. And then he, when the guy tells him to get lost, he you know ends up doing something really dumb by killing him. You know, so. um I don't think he meant to kill him. I think he just no. meant to knock him out or something. Or I don't know. He was so enraged that he was rejected that he physically did something. But it was so organic and believable, well, he, he, though. At that at that moment, he wanted to. And he's prior in the to boat, that. hugging him with in the pool of blood. Oh yeah, yeah. he was he was spooning with so, him. So come on, that's fucking incredible. He wanted to. He was running before he kills him. He was running it by Dicky that hey, you know, I'll make my own way out here. I'll live out here. We can do that. We can hang out. We can be best friends. And Dickie's like, whoa, you know, we're, whoa, we're brother. Whoa. We're the we're long lost brothers. But when so he had full intent to actually come out there on his own and and try to make it like an honest go of it. But when Dickie tells him that he's boring and he's creepy, basically yeah. that just sets him off. Because you you were getting getting rejected by the guy that you're in love with, and you want to be like. And that guy tells you you suck. Sung jazz together. They hung out together. Uh, that Jude Law, relatively unknown at the time, this was a huge movie for him. Gorgeous put man. Put him up. Put him on the map. He's all gold. Oh, yeah, so well dressed. And they yeah, actually great. they put more makeup on Matt Damon to make him look even pastier. In contrast, in the beginning, because he was so fucking pasty. I have some pretty incredible fun facts about this movie. Matt Damon lost thirty pounds. And learned to play the piano for this movie. Oh, shit. Jude Law had to gain weight, and he learned to play the saxophone. And that's really Matt Damon singing uh, My Funny Valentine. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. Uh, Here's a weird connection. You can thank this movie, Talented Mr. Ripley, for giving us Tommy Wiseau and The Room. Oh, shit. Uh, Tommy Wiseau reportedly inspired to make his own film after seeing Talented Mr. Ripley. So... Thank you, uh, Ripley. <laughs> hi, Mark. Yeah. Oh, hi. Lisa, you're tearing me apart. Oh, hi, Dougie. Uh, also, Matt Damon plays a great Tom Ripley, but Ripley has been played by four other actors, Elaine Delon in 1916's Purple Moon, which is before this, Dennis Hopper in this 1977's The American Friend, John Malkovich plays him in Ripley's Game from 2002, and Barry Pepper in 2005's Ripley's Underground uh, and John Malkovich apparently almost directed the talented Mr. Ripley. Are you curious to check out any of these? Uh, I wa- I might want to watch the Malkovich one. I kind of want to see more about Tom Ripley. I I'm curious to know what happened like, to him. Plain Soleil is the actual version that they redid, but they gender swapped swapped Ripley, I believe, or somebody in that movie. Mm, I don't know. It's a fr- it's an old French movie, but Dennis Hopper and Malkovich as playing Tom Ripley. That's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. Uh, And I'm curious to know what Ripley's fucking sociopathic adventures are after this. Uh, And then here's the funniest thing. Remember in Deadpool 2, Matt Damon had that cameo. He was like that redneck guy on the truck under all that those prosthetics and the the fat suit. Yeah, he was uh, named Redneck 2. But in the credits, the character that he played is listed as Dickie Greenleaf. Before we uh, get off this movie, I just want to make a quick comment about it. And um, I know we talked like long ago about should we make movies about bad people? Yeah. And 
Oh, Joker? Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> something like that. Or And I'm like, yes, you should, because I was thoroughly entertained by this. I didn't want to become a sociopath after I saw it. I was just riveted in this story. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They weren't glorifying Tom Ripley. They weren't. No, not at all. And I think that these things are compelling, and you can create all of these f- interesting situations where you can feel something or what you're riveted and compelled and shocked and aghast and the whole thing. And what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And that's what you go to the movies for. And that's art. And I think that just because a movie is about a shitty person, doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't make it or you shouldn't see it or you shouldn't think about seeing something like the other thing it reminded me of is the allure of the Sopranos that came out like the next year. This was an amazing TV show all about sociopaths and you love them all. Well, the thing about this movie, just real quick, is the ending of this movie, his lies have gotten so intricate that actually, by the end, he's with the with the French dude or whatever, and he could live a great life yeah. with this guy. He has he got inherited Dickie Greenleaf's in, um, estate or got some, whatever, some of his foundation, whatever the hell it is. He, he inherited a bunch of money. He can go off. He can be... He can openly be gay with this guy on the boat, travel with this guy. They can live together forever. But his lies have caught up to him so much that he sees Kate Blanchett's character, and yeah. he has to hate. He ha- he hates doing it, but he has to kill this guy that basically is his lover and the one for him because he has to keep up this. Because he we- knew web of lies. Yes, and like yeah. that part where he and there's him- too many of her clan, so he can't just kill her. Because she's like a, a social mag- magnet. Yeah. Well, they're, and so he, they're eventually going to find out that Dickie's dead, right? Will right. they? Well, well, I don't know. We'll see. But like, oh, well, he, he plays it off like he's hiding underneath an, an identity and that like the Italian police put him in, I forget what they call it here in America, where they where you're just, you're hidden. You're living a different life because you're not, you don't want to um, be exposed anymore. Oh yeah, like asylum or something. Yeah, yeah, like like you know when like you you've you've ratted out people. And, oh and, yeah, you know, like a witness protection. Deal. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's the way he plays it off. But he can't kill her, even though he's actually gay and he would rather just live with this guy. He has to kill him. So it's a sad story, even for Ripley. He's crying as he's fucking crushing yeah, this guy. Yeah, because he did love that guy, but he had to kill him. Yeah, because of all his lies. But uh, dude, the amazing like what another favorite part. You know, Marge knows him as Tom. And Marge's friend knows him as Tom. Meredith knows him as Dickie. Marge's friend knows Meredith. When he orchestrates the meeting at the cafe, uh, and 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 you know, Dickie quote unquote stands her up, and just she happens to talk to them, confirming to Marge that Dickie is alive, and then she leaves, and then he shows up as Tom. I was like, "Fuck, oh, that, dude, that's so good. That's amazing, fucking orchestration and manipulation." That and the the amount of tension in the scene with. With Ripley and and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. as what's his what's his character's name? Uh, Freddie Miles. Freddie Miles, where they're in the room, and Freddie Miles is put together that this guy is playing him playing as Dickie Greenleaf, and then the this detective is not, Tom the, Ripley is, is Dickie Greenleaf. The detective's all up his shit. And he's looking at the sculpture that he used to kill Freddie Miles. I was like, I hope you wipe the fucking blood off that thing. Uh, just the tension towards the, the last act where he's just escaping. Uh, by by a hair, it's, it was it's so good. So well, yeah, it's so very well done. Good, good stuff, Anthony. Let me ask you this: My balls was hot. You're working from home still, right? I am. I think, guys, if you're still working from home in this quarantine, 
You have no excuse not to have your balls trimmed. I mean, I'm, what I'm el- doing it weekly. You do. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! What else? Like you have the time to manicure and self groom, right? Don't you think, Anthony? What should they use to do this? Absolutely, and you should be using the Lawnmower 3.0, the latest edition in men's hygiene for the modern man, um, because it has a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. So all your snags are definitely reduced by using this, and you don't want to be using scissors or that trimmer that you use to cut your hair so you need your own little personal trimmer and along with the um, lawnmower 3.0 you actually get a bunch of other things if you buy the perfect package 3.0 including boxer briefs a travel bag uh, the crop preserver which i'm holding right now it's basically Ah. ball deodorant then there's also the crop reviver which is basically a toner and refresher for your balls so i like to use the ball deodorant post shower after i've um, okay. shaved up a little bit. Okay. And then I use the Reviver. Yeah, when do you use that? I use the Reviver right before I'm about to go out. It's like a refresher. Little, little spritz, or maybe when uh, I think I'm getting a little action, I, I spritz it in. You know, maybe like uh, Matthew Broderick yeah, probably would have used the Jim ball, the crop Reviver in election. Used, he could have yeah. used that, yes. He definitely would have used that prior to trying to hook up with Miss Novotny. <laughs> with Linda Novotny, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. How do they get all use, this stuff? You can go to manscaped.com and use our promo code Jock and Nerd, Jock and Nerd, and get 20% off free shipping. Do it now because your balls will thank you later. And you're supporting the show and you're supporting our awesome sponsor. Big shout out to Manscaped uh, for partnering with us. Send us a picture of your balls. Yeah, before and after. We'll send it along to Manscaped and be like, see, look how great it is. Uh, look, I basically, I want you, when you look at your junk, I want you to think of the Jock and Nerd. Jock and Nerd. That's all. We're going for. Let's take a quick break here for some promos, and we'll be back with two more amazing movies from 1999 right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a hurricane heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Listener, if you enjoy the show and want to support us and get bonus content and awesome swag like stickers and T-shirts, join our fan club. Uh, just visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! And you can sign up for a monthly pledge. Everyone gets access to a bonus RSS podcast feed that is full of extra shit. The shows come out early. We got movie reviews. We got sports shows. We got post shows. Uh, quiet this week, but there's still tons of stuff to listen to. 
that's been accumulating. Uh, and you join our special community over there uh, at, on Patreon. Jockinerd.com slash Patreon. Sign up today. All right. Let's move into a drug-fueled brave uh, adventure here with the next movie that is called Go. This one on Rotten Tomatoes, 91%. Ooh, that's high. Yeah, second highest. Election is at 92. This one's at 91. 7.59 out of 10 average rating. This budget is a little weird because on the box office mojo page, it says $20 million. It also says that on the wiki, but I read a bunch of articles about the making of this movie and apparently they had a budget of three and a half million dollars. That sounds oh, right. That makes way more sense. And then later Sony got involved. They were shopping it around and it went up to five million. But this is definitely a five million dollar movie, not a twenty million dollar movie. Admit oh, absolutely. There's no way there's twenty million. Yes. Where where would it go? I don't know. To, I, I have no idea. To the fucking no mu- pun intended. music where would it go? To the music licensing, uh worldwide box office doesn't make a lot of money. Twenty eight million dollars, but becomes a cult hit. And DVD sales were healthy later. This one is written by John August, who's actually written a lot of big things. After this movie, he goes on to write Titan AE. Uh, oh, that was the animated movie, right? Yeah, it was good. Charlie, that was a good movie. He does the Charlie's Angels. Okay, not amazing, but yeah. He does Charlie's Angels, Big Fish with Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride. Uh, Frank and Weenie, and he did, he wrote on the live action adaptation of Aladdin, most recently, John August, and directed by Doug Lyman. I fucking love. Crazy that this guy directed this This movie. This guy, I love Doug. What he went on, went on to do. Yes, this is, uh, he, he is coming off one of my other favorite movies of the 90s, Swingers, right? I was about to say the same thing. The reason why I went to see this movie is because I love Swingers. Swingers came out in 1996, launches the career of Favreau and uh, Vince Vaughn, and has, it's the ultimate guy hangout movie. Anthony, have you ever seen Swingers? No. Yeah, it, 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 it compared to this, it looks like he made it in, like in college, in film class. This one or Swingers? No. Swingers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Swingers is even more, like, even though this movie's rough around the edges. Yeah. Swingers is even more rough around. It's almost like a Kevin Smith movie. Yes, but like. very independent feel. Go also, he, he, it was a run and gun shoot. They didn't have a lot of time, which you get a lot of that in the movie. But then Doug Lyman goes on to direct The Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Jumper, Edge of Tomorrow. He does American Made, uh, another Tom Cruise movie that's really, really good about uh, Barry Seal, who ran CIA uh, weapons for the Contras during the uh, Nicaragua thing and then ran drugs back. And then it's so good. It's a very good movie. So he's also working on Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat, the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. And he's also uh, attached to that untitled Tom Cruise SpaceX space movie, whatever they're going to do with him. I like his movies. Yeah. Doug Lyman is amazing. I do too. He still considers this his best film even now, looking back at it. The cast, it's a has a great cast of oh, kind this of this is the fucking nineties. Uh, unknown, very little known, unknown, up and comers from the nineties. You got Sarah Pauly as the, uh, kind of the lead Rana. Katie Holmes, uh Dawson's Creek cutie Katie Holmes. Uh you got William Fickner, Jay Moore. <laughs> Scott Wolf, Party of Five. You also got Tay Diggs, Breckenmeyer, Timothy Oliphant, real early uh, role, Desmond Askew, Jane Krakowski, J.E. Freeman, and Melissa McCarthy in her film debut. Oh, shit. Uh, so I love this cast. Uh, very young, lots of energy. Anthony, 
uh, I I have a feeling you had not seen this or even heard of this movie. Never fucking heard. You of this never movie. heard of this movie. No. Wow. Okay. What's go about? I put this out on my Instagram. I went. I've never heard of this film. Did your friends know and this movie? One of my friends goes. That can't be good. Just the, <laughs> just the way it looked right off the bat what? with the, the poster. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Um, what is movie about? This is. Pulp Fiction for 1999 with teenagers. <laughs> it's about it's like three separate storylines that interweave around just debauchery. One storyline with Rana, where she's she basically heists a drug dealer and is selling drugs at a rave. One storyline being her coworker going to Vegas and getting into some debauchery, and the third storyline being these this gay couple that are these two male actors that are caught up in a sting and end up having to go to this party as well that Rana's at. So it's these three storylines that are told from three different perspectives in three acts. So each act is a a part of the movie. They all kind of connect towards the end. And they inform other parts of the movie. Yes, and they tell you what's happening from other points of view. Uh, So I'm going to start with you. I'm dying to know what did you think of this movie that you just heard of? (laughs) So the first act, I'm watching this and I'm going, "Shit is bullshit." I don't want to watch this fucking thing. This scene, this seems seems this movie seems so cheap and whatever. Then I see. Then the second act starts with uh, dude in Vegas, yeah. British guy, and I'm figuring out what's going on. And the Tay Diggs is in it, and a bunch. I mean, the guy from Road Trip is in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going, I'm fully fucking on board with this movie now. <laughs> and by the end, I was like, this movie. Is great. I love this fucking movie. What I read this on Letterbox, but it's absolutely true. This movie is the movie that looks and all that with the night. It's it encapsulates encapsulates that era ninety nine. Yeah. But looks wise, this movie's so dated and doesn't age well at all in terms of how it looks. Yet it also ages very well in terms of just pure entertainment. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie too. I'm so I was glad. I was by the end of this movie, I mean, I couldn't wait for the third act and then when it's uh the two gay guys and they're the guys that run over Rana and it's and they go back and the the line where Jay is like um Jay and uh Jay Moore and what's Scott, Scott Wolf, Wolf, Adam and Zach. They, they open the trunk and they're yeah. like trying to clear out space and Jay Moore is just like it's, it's a, a Miata. Miata. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving things around to fit a body in there. It's a Miata. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing comes, comes together. I mean, even in the second act, when you realize by the end that these two guys from the strip club um, have the credit card from the British dude, and it's Timothy Oliphant's card, yes. and you're like, oh, fuck. That's who they're calling. He uses his card at the strip club. I'm like, so, oh, I mean, you it's just idiot. so, it's written so. And how that well. all culminates into them just, just shoot my arm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the, the whole thing, the whole thing, it's just debauchery and. Side note: There's plenty of things I can relate to in this movie. Oh, I bet I'm uh, sure rave that... culture, yeah, partying, yeah. high school, Vegas, Vegas, strip clubs. I mean, the whole thing was just right up my alley. Just in a different era. Growing up in the '90s, I recognized all these faces. So, yeah, I mean, good stuff. Really one good the, stuff. One of the things that um, I love about this movie is that, like, uh, it, there's no real character arcs in this movie. Like. Or there's no consequences to what happens. Yes. Like Sarah yes. Polly becomes a drug dealer, and then she just goes on with her life. Like yeah. she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, she's like, listen, I gotta get this money. I'll do a drug deal. I'll fucking, uh, you know, go and steal a bunch of, uh, you know, medicine and play it off as ecstasy. 
I'll sell it, make my fucking money back. Oh, I'll go to the hospital because I got hit with a car. <laughs> And I'll just go on with my life. And that's I'll it. I'll just like, walk nothing. around the supermarket with a limp now. Yeah, like nothing changes in her life besides that she paid her rent. Well, the whole thing he's tapping into, like, do crazy shit while you're young. You'll get away with it. Don't waste your time, you know. And uh, he did. He The guy, John August, talks about he wanted to write a, a, a crazy adventure, but where the kids really don't learn anything and there's no consequences and everybody makes bad choices in this movie that just makes things worse. They yeah. have, they have chances multiple times to escalate. Yeah. yeah. And they don't, <laughs> they make it worse. Fucking Simon with a gun just makes it worse. My favorite character in the whole movie is the guy who takes the two tabs of uh, ecstasy. And oh, then her, just her friend is the tripping whole the whole time. Was it, what was his name? Andrew. Yeah, and then they tell him to hide, and then they just forget about they forget him. About him. <laughs> yeah, no one goes back to get him. That that yeah. was great. I mean, the the stuff with what's that cop's who's that cop played by again? Uh, William Fickner. William Fickner. And and they have the two guys, celebrity gay guys, over, and they end up having. You think they're going to try to have this wild sex party? Yes. And it's really just to, to rope them in into a pyramid scheme. Oh, he's like, you want us to sell Amway? And he's like, it's actually, it's called Confederated Products. It's a lot better company. And he's like, the way he's open to do things, he's just standing there buck naked. He's buck like, look, look at this. Feel my skin. Feel this lotion. It's amazing. Just- uh, the, the whole thing, I mean, it's just written so ridiculous, yet so um, well. And so you're just so enthralled by how this story is all going to wrap up with all these three... Personally, and I know this might sound blasphemous, Simran. Uh huh. I like it better than Pulp Fiction. Oh, so, okay, hold on. Here's the thing. Ever since this- I know it's inspired by Pulp Fiction, and the dialogue probably isn't as good, but I just found it way more entertaining. Well, ever since this movie came out, I love this movie. I have loved, loved, loved this movie. Yes, it is. Reminds me of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and True Romance, but it's funnier. It's younger. It's uh, it's not as it's more grounded and if anything out of all the copycats that tarantino inspired this is how you do a successful tarantino copycat it is a drug-fueled roller coaster this is a ride. movie that quentin tarantino would never have made exactly right he would never make a movie about 90s not about like, these pop characters. culture yeah like teenagers yeah. he would never fucking lower himself to do that so someone had to do it, and it was Doug Lyman. And Doug Lyman knows all about California. He knows all about fucking people and 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 what's going on in the culture. He was very hip to that. It was swingers. He was fucking right on the money with this, and it did catch the vibe of the time where everything, everybody was going to raves, and there was underground raves. The and LA that's rave the, culture was the huge. whole EDM thing yeah. got kicked off in the nineties like that. So, um. The, the drugs, the ecstasy, all that stuff was that was popping then. So big ups to him for like putting a spotlight on it and and now making a, a basically a a diary of that era of what it was like. It's a great snapshot. Yeah. And uh, the only thing that's kind of weird is this British dude out of nowhere. Simon. Well, I mean, yeah, they're, but- they're, you know, there's all even in like living in New York, you always have. These international dudes who come and they move there and they and and they just end up. Staying. And then the other thing I thought that was funny is that none of the guys that were friends should have been friends. Like I can't see Tay Diggs <laughs> hanging out with any of these guys. No. guys. Oh no. my god, the conversation where he calls himself the N word and he's like, "My mother's mother's mother was black." He's like, "This ain't roots, motherfucker. This doesn't matter." It's, <laughs> it's so Tarantino. You know they're talking oh, yeah. about family circus. Why it sucks? Like it's so Tarantino. 
I love the whole thing where he's talking about a girl blowing him and the contact. He's like, that never he's happened. Like, that's my like, story. That's my story. I told that story a year ago. <laughs> that is like, that's something that's happened <laughs> in my life. Oh, shit. You gotta remember who's uh, telling these stories. And more than one time, by the way. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, that's Either my story. I've, I've taken someone else's story and made it mine, or someone has taken my story and made it theirs. <laughs> And, so I, and, we, and we've caught each other a couple of times doing I, I, it. I really, when I looked up this director, I went, because we reviewed one of his movies, yeah, Edge of Edge Tomorrow. Of tomorrow. Went, this guy directed Edge of Tomorrow? Yep. That's a completely different movie than what we just watched. Just the evolution of, of being a director. I was like, wow, this guy. He wanted to make some money. This. I mean, the, the editing is great. <laughs> he wanted to get paid. He, yeah, I guess so. He, he was behind the camera for a lot of these shoots. They did not have a lot of time. It was like I said. No, a, they, this movie seems like it was made in like two weeks. Yes, yes. It, but <laughs> Ruggs, you said it's unpolished, but it's super confident. Like the dialogue is great. The visuals, it's entertaining all the way through, I think. Even though you were kind of bored in the beginning. I think this movie's never well, boring. I was, I was, it wasn't that I was, I was just like, this movie is just Where's cheap. I was just like, this movie's cheap. Like this movie, what, what am I watching yeah. here? This movie looks, I mean, I, it, my first impression was this movie looks like shit. I'm like, what am <laughs> I doing here? Budgety. There's nothing going on. Low and then, and then once the second act starts, I go, oh. Well, I know what's going on. <laughs> Listen, after watching Kevin Smith films, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Kevin Smith, uh, he didn't have a lot of money and he made movies that were all dialogue heavy. Yep. And, you know, the camera work was horrid. Like, I mean, I remember being in the theater seeing Chasing Amy and we're like, everybody just sitting there go, cut to something. You've been on this shot for like 10 minutes. Ancient. It's like, come on, another angle, something to fucking the eye move. And um, so I was already like uh, used to like this indie thing where like just it looked terrible. <laughs> so um, he was like a step up. And so I didn't <laughs> feel that way when I saw this. I was like, oh, OK, it's just it is a low budget movie, but it's a step up from Kevin Smith. And uh, I've been subjected to a lot of his films. So um, I was kind of a little bit more open to it. But it does. It does. Even even if you go in with that thought and it still grabbed you by the end, I think it did its job. And um it's it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. It's and a it's, crazy ride of a movie all the way through. Uh, it's you know, it's a teen movie. It's a heist movie. It's kind of a road trip movie. It's a Christmas oh, comedy. All happens I, at Christmas. I love that the fucking he's fucking the two girls and the, it catches on fire. And he just leaves. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> all naked. He doesn't even care. They just like let's the fucking tan- burn. tantric sex tantra baby. Yeah, oh my god. It's, so <laughs> funny. it's just such a ridiculous. I mean, I mean the. Tay Diggs being in it, I was like, "What the fuck and is he doing?" In this, this is movie? before The Hangover. Yeah, this yeah. is before that movie. Yeah. It's, it, 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 I think that one little scene is what inspired The Hangover. I could relate to stuff like Tim Oliphant's drug dealer character. While I, I, I met relate to, I've, I've, I can relate to. Sorry, yeah. right, I can relate to many, many, I've, yes, many different aspects yes. of this movie. Anthony's I mean, been every one of these characters. <laughs> I, I, I literally have walked uh, into oh, a, a, a fine establishment like there were in Vegas yeah. and told my friend, "Do not." get champagne and the first yeah. thing he does is get champagne because he gets enthralled by a girl that's ecs yeah literally I, that that is so true to any rookie that walks into a place like that and then simon can't help himself has to grab him and then he yeah that happens all the time and then he makes it worse by pulling a fucking gun out oh, what are you shit. what are you doing why well, and you you gotta love even like back then they're making the comments on on just 
subtle comments on racism yeah. with the guy giving the guy Tay Diggs a couple dollars in the yeah, bathroom, he keeps, and then the guy flipping him his keys. He's like, "Yeah, take like, it out let's, back. Let's go." And they get a like, nice fuck ride. Fuck this! I'm taking this for a ride. It's great. I'm taking this for a ride. Yeah. It's like I'm not a bathroom attendant. Well, I mean, because Tay Diggs' outfit, he's yeah, wearing this wearing like ridiculous Vegas. But yeah. in Vegas, you see people, even including myself, wearing <laughs> outfits that you just would never wear anywhere else. There used else. to be this store called Oak Tree yeah. in the mall where you would buy mustard yellow fucking suit jackets. <laughs> like you would come out looking like the fucking Joker. And that was cool back then. And I just I love that moment where they show you. They go back and they show you Adam and Zach's story with uh, Rana there. And then you see him mouth the words go when he's showing her the bathroom. I was like, oh, fuck, that's so good because he did that before. Have any of you guys seen um, Girl Next Door? Oh, yeah, with uh, Elisha Cuthbert. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant plays basically the same guy. He's the pimp. Five years earlier in that movie. That was five years earlier. Yeah, he was making the adult movie. He was like the pimp in that one. And he he had a super menacing, like you're like, oh, this Timothy Oliphant, he's kind of funny. And then he he just turns on you and go, oh, my God, this guy's really menacing. Well, he's great in this, too, because he is like kind of charming. And in fact, uh, you know, Katie Holmes' Claire kind of falls for him. And and she's what's funny about her is she's the one that doesn't do any drugs and kind of things kind of work out for her uh, at the end and everyone else gets all fucked. And I love at the end when their buddy's like, so what are we doing for New Year's after this fucking crazy night at Christmas? Uh, I love this movie and I loved watching it. Was it was a fun again. time. Yeah. It's a fun time. Not a, not a perfect film by any means. No. A little rough around the edges. But the energy, the fucking storytelling, you know. The soundtrack's great. Like, I bought oh, the soundtrack right away. The soundtrack. Remember, you know the song Anthony Steal My Sunshine by Len? I think I'd Steal have to my sunshine. To it. That's when they get the car. That was when they the, first oh, get okay. the car. That was like yeah. the big song when this movie came out, when the soundtrack came out. But the beauty of Doug Lyman, you know, uh, working with what Tarantino had left is that Tarantino got audiences used to restarting your movie restarting your story so he just does three resets and so cleverly winds builds things on each builds on each yeah. one and like, gives you i more. don't know uh, pulp fiction definitely opened the door for for studios to be like yeah let's make this movie yeah i'm sure that people have written movies like this before but they always get shut down because it's like oh people are not gonna follow they're this. not gonna get it yes yeah but i think but tarantino just stuck to his guns put his movie out and then that Opened wide for shit like after this to Pulp be. Fiction, it became kind of commonplace and mainstream. We just yeah. saw it; it almost Magnolia. became conventional. So many people were doing it that you just you just fuck up your your narrative storyline. Like that's all that's the thing you do now, and nobody does it as good as he does it here. It's a great Tarantino copy, like one of the best. I don't, well, it's I, structured. It's yeah. structured. Yes. It's like Tarantino's had a very strange structure. It was like all over the place. Yeah, this was. You know, three acts, yeah. and they were they went into succession. I guess, uh, yep. I, according to yeah, same starting point, and then you just follow a different character. Yeah, so it was it was it was unique in that way. But like like Magnolia did the whole thing where they intertwined all the stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then, there yeah. was a lot of this experimentation going on with what you could do script wise, and, and it's just an interesting year, man. I'm, I just love this year. It's so good. It's so crazy. The wide variety of original crazy movies. Him fucking tripping in the in the grocery store and dancing with that lady is great. Like, I mean, oh yeah, and then they left great. him there. Spe- speaking for some of my friends, maybe I mean, me personally never partake, but uh, that's a very true experience. That's what happens. Like I had on, ec- on ecstasy. The way he was feeling is very true as far as 
how you would feel and what you how you would react and how you would look in comparison to everyone else. I mean, the sweating right away. I was like, oh my god, they got it right. <laughs> Just the lights and every time he's he's like trying to find her and you can't focus on anything. And, and, well, and you think the cat is talking to oh, you yeah, and, you're and, and you just space now. out. Yeah, I mean, it just it's. And and right off the bat, you know, they go. He's like, you, I mean, the whole offense character is like, these are real strong, one per person, and yeah. the dude pops two. Yeah, it's like you took <laughs> one, didn't you? And the balls to her two. to rip off a drug dealer. This is just not a good idea in general. And I, you know, I love these kind of exaggerated drug dealer characters because I've known people like that. But the, I mean, he's a little bit exaggerated. But uh, oh, definitely exaggerated. But there's, yeah. I've known people very similar to that also. But he's very charming, Tim Oliphant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I still, this fucking movie is great. Okay, let's get sexy now as we move on to the final movie. The weirdest movie of the bunch. Of 1999, movie number 12, Eyes Wide Shut. Also showed up, by the way, on the 99 Mindfuck movie. Oh, it is a Mindfuck movie? I can see That's that. Yes, I can see that. that. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 75%. 7.5 out of 10. This is a weird case where the average rating matches exactly the Rotten Tomatoes score. I don't know what that means. The budget of this movie was $65 million. It goes on to make $162 million. This is a very long movie. Uh, it's over two and a half hours. And, you know, for the last 11 movies, we've been talking about up and coming directors, a lot of first time debuts, a lot of guys who are just starting their career. Here we have a 99, a case of established old school Stanley Kubrick, who co-wrote, directed, and produced this, basing it on a 1926 novella uh, called Trauma Novel by Arthur Schnitzler, that the book took place in early 20th century Vienna. He changes the story to 1990s New York City. However, this is why I didn't I learned some crazy shit. Stanley Kubrick had a fear of flying. This movie was mostly shot in the United Kingdom. Apart from some exterior establishing shots, they recreated a detailed uh, recreation of the exterior Greenwich Village street in the studio. The movie also has a Guinness World Record for the longest continuous film shoot ever at 400 days. Oh, shit. And quote, it says, for over 15 months, a period that included an unbroken shoot of 46 weeks. He started shooting this in 1996 and wasn't finished until 1998. And Stanley Kubrick passes away six days after showing his final cut to Warner Brothers, making this the final film he directed. To get this to an R rating in the U.S., they had to digitally alter a lot of the orgy scenes, which we'll talk about. You can kind of tell during post-production. But this was, at the time... So highly anticipated. This was his first movie in 12 years, I believe, uh, since Full Metal Jacket. And he shot this entirely in secret. Nobody knew what it was. All they knew that it was a sex, sexy, erotic thriller featuring real-life married couple Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, only the two of the biggest stars in the world. Also, we have Sidney Pollack in here as Victor Ziegler, Lily Sobieski. Uh, uh, is uh, I forgot she was in this, uh, and uh, some other people, uh, but the main is really Cruz and Kidman carrying this movie. I mean, the the posters Cruz Kidman Kubrick, Kubrick. yes, yeah. build uh, because he kind of talked them in to doing this really personal, intimate movie. This movie did not get any Academy Award nominations at all. 
Good. Anthony, have you seen <laughs> this before? I've seen it as a kid when I was way too young. You were when probably I saw it. confused as fuck watching it. Very now, confused and and weirdly turned on. Yes, I bet. Weirdly you are. not knowing what that meant to be Why turned on. Why does my pee pee feel weird? Uh, what happens in Eyes Wide Shut? Uh, Eyes Wide Shut is about this New York couple that seemingly has all their shit together. One's a guy's a doctor. The other guy, the other the woman played by Nicole Kidman, is I think a stay at home mom or wife. Um. They have all their shit together, but they go to a party, they see each other flirting, and they end up having a conversation when they're high on pot, and Nicole Kidman's character admits to Tom Cruise that she's thought about cheating on him, and this just rocks his fucking world, and he just goes out and decides he's going to go out and just explore the, the depths of what nighttime in a New York City looks like, and he gets involved with a hooker he meets an old friend from college that turns him on to a, a sex cult and his life is just forever changed by this night and we just follow him on this journey throughout the night and watching it again now 20 years later uh what did you think does it hold up is it still relevant relevant uh <laughs> So, yeah, I watched this movie again. First time I really didn't... My opinion on it was not anything to speak home about or write home about. Now, you know, I found this movie to be very interesting. It's a long movie. Um, It's not for everybody, obviously. I found it to be interesting. I I I was intrigued by the journey. Obviously, the whole sex cult is the big thing that everyone knows this movie about. But I was... I just kind of found it interesting the the whole journey of getting your world rocked by your partner that admits to you that she thinks about cheating on you and just that you know because that's relatable it's like if you've ever been in a relationship and someone admit would admit that to you yeah. I think that would rock anyone's world and you'd go out and maybe not go to the extreme he's went but you I mean he's basically looking to go out and cheat and figure and 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 sow that wild oat because his wife has given him basically permission to do that. And he just gets caught up in this weird fucking cult. So I found the movie to be very interesting. I don't think it's the best out of what we're talking about. It was, it's not going to be my favorite, but I still think it's good. And I, th- I still think there's a lot of uh, very interesting stuff. And, and the, the, the cinematography and especially the soundtrack with the, the one key the, on the yeah, piano the is just super melody. fucking creepy. Very creepy. And, and you can't beat the fact that there's a lot of gorgeous women with great boobs. Lots of boobies in this movie. Um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I didn't go over Stanley Kubrick's film credits, but fuck, if you're listening to this, I imagine you know he directed. Well, by the way, yeah. first, um, I think it's the only Stanley Kubrick movie I've seen. Really? Okay. Yeah. Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, A Clockwork Orange, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Doctor Strange Love. He does Spartacus. I mean, those are heavy hitting. Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. Those are all his heavy hitting movies. You definitely should watch Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, Clockwork Orange, 2001, Doctor Strange Love. He does the Lolita. Uh, Rugs. What did you think of this movie? And it does well. I did like. I I do think this movie is interesting. I do think that there is. Yeah, you should watch this movie. But I just don't. I don't understand Stanley Kubrick at this stage in his life having to do this for four hundred days. Yeah, there is nothing in this film, performance wise, that needed that. Like I think the best acting is actually. Maybe when Nicole Kidman is dancing with the weird the Hungarian dude, old yeah. yeah, 
and that and everything else in this movie as far as acting wise is not that great. So why is he trying to torture his actors to give a performance where Magnolia Tom Cruise is way better in in that? And I've seen better performances from Nicole Kidman. So whatever his technique was, I don't think it worked. Well, you know, his typical technique is to do a uh, uh, hundred takes of something. He he likes to break them down so it's a genuine read or genuine and it wasn't, performance. And it wasn't. Yeah. Guess what? It wasn't. I don't think that the acting performances, like when they were pretending to be smoking pot, that's not how you act when you smoke pot. No, it isn't. No. So, I mean, obviously there was, there was, there's a disconnect between what he thinks it should look like and what it is. And, um, you know, we just watched the drug field movie that nailed it. So I think that there's a problem with the acting, acting like his direction of the acting, um, him doing this thousand takes. I don't think it served this film, but saying that, getting that out of the way, getting that big criticism out of the way. I feel like that the, the script of this movie, the, the underpinnings of this movie are interesting because what happens is, is you kind of get the sense that Tom Cruise, not a cheater, right? He never, I don't think he really even considers cheating. And I think that he does love his wife and he makes love to her like every night. All right. Um, She's tired. She's bored. She wants to cheat on him. And in that rocks his world because he didn't think of it. Like, even though he knows that men, they had this conversation about men, yeah. right? So they're like, well, this guy definitely wanted to fuck you because, you know, all guys want to fuck hot girls and you're a hot girl. And so she's like, well, by that logic, that means every hot girl that you meet, you want to fuck. And yep. that, I don't think that applies to him. No, I don't think she, that she twists his words. Yeah. She twists his words. It basically says like, if, a, well, the guy's like asking you to dance, he's asking you to go upstairs. So he obviously wants to fuck you. So there's, that that leap in logic is not that is not that crazy, but these girls who accosted uh, Tom Cruise in the at the party, he was clearly trying He's to flirting. like. He was flirting, but he was clearly like not really. He was wondering why they were taking him and what was going to happen. If he was interrupted, would he have fucked those girls? Do you think he would have tried to? He just goes along with everything in this movie. He's like, yeah. okay, let's do this. Well, he goes to a point. He does. He goes to a prostitute. Doesn't even fuck her. Well, so there's a couple of things that I found. Part of me found unbelievable. He doesn't get laid at all. No, right? he doesn't. No. And that's the kind of hilarious as a guy. He's pretty much playing himself. A guy who's good looking and has stature and status can't fucking get laid. Two things I found a little. He chooses not to. He chooses that's not different. To. Two things I found a little weird, unbelievable. One was what you just said is. Was he so like he was so oblivious to the fact he never considered that guys want to fuck his wife that she would think about like no I don't think it's that he does, he's not a, he he's the one that suggests that he's oblivious to the fact that his wife would ever cheat on him or has thought about it no but it. she just thinks about it and he almost goes and does something and she just thinking about it now what's the theory of that you think that she, that his wife was at the party oh holy shit oh she shit. describes her dream yes. And- in detail was what weird. he was doing. And the mask was there. At the Did end. he lose the mask or what happened? Oh, like, I never thought of that. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't make that connection. That part was weird when she, her dream is exactly the party he went to. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? Uh, but overall, I love the creepy, tense vibe. Like you said, the minimal piano. A lot of it reminded me of The Shining and the tension and creepiness of The Shining. But it's, it's a hypnotic movie. It's odd. It's unsettling. Well, let me ask you guys about that cult. Yes. Do you believe 
what the the doctor ends up telling him that that was all a charade and it's really just a big cover up for this these a lot all these politics like a basically an Epstein sex island type thing uh, or do you think it was actually a cult and they were threatening people's lives? I, oh, definitely. I think the doctor was definitely. lying. Def- he was definitely lying. Lying. Okay. Well, you can't trust him. He's already lying to everybody already. He's trying to fuck this girl. Yeah. And had him cover up. He tells him to cover up for him. So. You can't trust that guy. They and they gave hmm. uh, Bill lots of chances to get out without okay. getting in trouble. Do you? Th- okay, now let's ask a question. Do you think that that guy um, was at the sex party? He was at. Who do yeah. you think he was at the sex? Ziegler party? was there. He says, "I saw you. I was in there." Do you think he was the guy with the big beak? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the girl. Remember the first guy that sees him. Oh. Right? Remember the first guy that sees him with the girl? He's with a girl. He nods to him. Yeah, with the he white, nods, the white yes. mask. I think that was him. Hmm. Didn't put that so much thought the, into the who. So then the girl was. that tries to save him there was the same girl from the beginning, right? The the it's the same girl. The girl yeah. that he saved. That, oh, the process. It's the girl that he saved. Although I looked it up, it's a different, it's a different, a different ha- body, different body. But it's it was supposed actress, to be yeah. her. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I actually took it at face value, and I, I thought the doctor was was telling. Do you think his piano truth. player buddy is also dead? They probably knocked him off too. No, I t- they well they yeah well they see the doctor said that they sent him back. To, I actually I do believe that it's just they were trying to play it up this big cult, but it's really all these just fucking politicians they and wanna, actors they just that you would never fuck. want oh. to expose. Oh right, I mean, but it does. It reminded me of the Jeffrey Epstein thing. Now and I oh, think absolutely. these fucking Illuminati cult things exist. And these I had friends. It's not quite like this. I remember a bunch of my friends. They would go to these naked parties and it was just like a house party and everyone was naked and whatever happened happened. And well, there are swingers yeah, that have yeah, like swinger yeah. swinger parties. I remember the episode of what we do in the shadows, that vampire show. Yeah. Um, they, when they had to throw an orgy and they were, it was funny because after watching that and then watching this, it's funny. Cause like they had, they have to get the perfect setting for the orgy and they have to get, make sure that they have couches to fuck on and all of these things. So it's like, there are, there are swingers, there's orgies, there's all these places in the yard. There's a whole, there's a whole subculture of people that do this shit. Um, what do you, go ahead. I was just going to ask, I mean, Kubrick's obviously a legendary, legendary director and there's a lot to talk about in this movie. What did you, what do you think he was trying to, get across if anything he was trying to get across that the fact that i i feel like that that uh women um that women have played this role of being like this the more moral and ethic ethical of of the two sexes Mm -hmm. and but they're just normal people like we are and all the stupid shit that we think about, yep. all the dumb fucking weird shit that we do, they absolutely do as well. They jerk off well, too. Men like, don't they do realize everything. that that women yeah, have we these don't. thoughts. We're, we don't want to believe that, and we don't want to. We want to like. Uh, so he kind of wanted to bring that to the forefront. Like, yes, your wife is probably jerking off in the shower too. Your wife is probably when you're not around looking at her phone at some fucking some porn and whatever. So. um that's kind of like uh, some guys might not be able to deal with that because guys are very territorial about their women. And um, yeah. it, it's baked in from like, you know, primitive stuff. But like you get a reaction. It's a it's a primitive reaction to that. So it plays on those things. But then he takes that. So this is what I in, initially fascinated me. The layer of this story and then him using Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and putting them in this very intimate personal complex story about marriage and sexuality are they talking about their own marriage is this just in the movie uh you know he did things like so the scenes where bill 
imagines his wife having sex with that guy over and over again. I also kind of felt that Bill, that, like that turned him on a little bit to watch her, but it, it, he got obsessed with it. Kubrick separated these two. He shot those scenes with Nicole and he made sure Tom was not allowed on the set and vice versa when he did the Tom scenes to kind of create this setting of jealousy and weirdness. But this movie fucked up Tom Cruise. Two years later, Cruise and Kidman filed for divorce. Oh, this button. And after this in Magnolia, Tom Cruise has never turned himself over to an auteur director again. He's, if you think about it, he's just done big budget action blockbusters and comedic cameos. Uh, this kind of soured him, the, the, the backlash and the response. Cause a crew, it didn't make a lot of money. And at the time, any movie Cruise was in was guaranteed to make a lot of money because he had Tom Cruise and it was not a box office success. So there's so well, many layers to this. I mean, this movie on its surface, you would think this is like an erotic thriller. Yeah, but it's not really. But it's not. It was sold. So that's why a lot of people didn't like it. They thought they were going to yeah. go see Sexy Time erotic thriller with Tom and Nicole. And that's not right. really what you get. No, it's not what you get. And it's really about this man's journey to find out what's what's true for him sexually and if he can if he can do the deed, right? Yeah. Like she prompts him to think about it and then he's off trying to figure out if he can do yeah. it. Can can he do it with someone else? And obviously he comes to the conclusion forced forcefully that he cannot. He can't cheat on his wife. Yeah, they shoehorn he, that HIV thing that seems a little dated now too, as if to say like she's a degenerate and he dodged a bullet because she had HIV. Uh, well, she's a prostitute. Well, she was. I'm wondering if she was at the party. I don't know. Uh, also, I think that she might have been one of the girls. I think there. she might have been at the party. Maybe, I love maybe. the lighting in this movie where he's using cool and warm backlighting and everything is lit by Christmas lights. Just like Go, I think Christmas, the setting, is an important part of this movie because uh, you have symbolism with Christmas trees, which are everywhere except at the party. And it's also like Christmas consumerism. And then masks are another big theme it's like the masks are very venetian like you have at carnival is that the main symbol of the movie you notice the prostitute her name was domino like the mask she had masks in her apartment i mean this is already you know a touchy dark subject with the sex cult but then you throw in the stuff with Lily Sobieski yeah, and then the dude. he's pimping out his daughter. The and then he's pimping guy. out his 16-year-old Jesus daughter. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean. With these two, two, two Asian schmucks. Also, <laughs> I also voyeuristically, I loved, like, being in a, these rich people's lives. Their apartment was just gorgeous. And, you know, Kubrick does these oh, yeah, long that, takes. That's got to be a real. Compared to what uh, Matthew Broderick was living yes, in, that's got to be a very oh, expensive even, place in New York. We didn't even mention that. He went to a, a dead guy's apartment and the daughter threw himself. Oh, at yeah. Him. And then she was. She loves him. She's like, I love you. So he's he's these. Oh, yeah. So basically all these things are just being thrown at him and he's kind of like going with it. He's being thrown sex, but yeah. like not in the way he would normally consume sex. Right. He'd do it romantically with his wife, but it's being thrown at him with a, a underage prostitute or a, with a dead guy next to him or in a sex cult. Like he do, he's not getting it the way. He would normally consume it. I also think the movie is a lot about uh, uh, complicity and compliance uh, about power and people abusing power and how people just let them abuse power. You know, it brings up like uh, the Me Too thing and uh, Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton kind of thing is they're just com they let them abuse that power and, and, and they're kind of in that. 
The other thing, again, fascinating, mixing life and reality and art uh, mirroring life. When Bill is taunted by those those guys on the street with the homophobic slurs, which were like super brutal. And I was like, Jesus Christ, these people, they threw out every cliche homophobic slur you could oh, yeah. all at once. You know, Tom Cruise's sexuality at this time also being called into question. Oh, shit. Tabloids were saying his and Nicole Kidman's marriage was an arrangement. And I think part of this was Cruise trying to show people uh, who he was. And then Tom Cruise married Katie Holmes. Yes. And then Tom Cruise married. Is he still married to Katie Holmes? They have kids. Yeah, they have shy. I mean, there's lots of naked and scantily clad Nicole Kidman. She looks great in the, the movie. Uh, and, but you know, you see Stanley Kubrick's precision and how he's deliberate in his every choice he makes, but then there's some like weird things like there's clunky voiceover, like to help the viewer remember, remember he pulls the girl out the drawer and then you hear her voice, uh, Which drawer? uh, at the morgue pulls the prostitute out. And then there are times when you hear this voiceover to remind us who this character is. And I'm like, I don't know if that's necessary. The other thing you could bring into question is this. Did the studio compromise his vision? He delivered a final cut before he died, but he's been known to tinker with the movie up until the time it's released. And I don't know if he would have been happy with the choice to cover up those orgy scenes. Did you notice how every couple in the orgy, there's like this one dude in black standing right in front of there's them? A guy, yeah. There's a guy strategically placed. So you can't ca- see I noticed yes. then because I remember seeing the seeing it when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, this is very raunchy and then i saw it when it, when i watched it the other day i went there's something off so this was so the, 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 i found the i found the unedited version this is a just, just to watch this it. is a, a decision made by uh warner brothers post him dying well, i don't know he probably would have been like keep it nc-17 or don't change it but they needed to do that he probably Did you guys see it in it, the aspect ratio that it was released in the square yeah version? it was it showed it in square I don't know if I noticed. Yeah, it that said in the time. beginning this movie's being shown in its original, like what the Kubrick intended, and it was a square, <laughs> not a letterbox. Hmm. Yeah, but man, I also think it kind of predicted like conspiracy theory era that's happening now, like with with the Illuminati and all these kind of twists. I know there was some back then, but it really blew up in the two thousands. Well, listen, like right now we're in this thing where this woman who's got all the dirt yeah, on, Gislaine, on Epstein, Gislaine. is is she's uh, you know. They're going to take her to court and, and figure it, give her a day in court to figure out what's going on. But, um, you know, she was being she her house was paid for by some corporation that they don't even know what it is. Some shell company. She's got millions of dollars that she never earned. She didn't even have a job, really. She had no official job. How did she get all this money and all these accounts? There's shenanigans going on. There's a fucking Illuminati, Illuminati, some kind of bullshit going on. And she was providing services that it's very much like this movie. Yes. Where they would go and fuck the shit out of these girls. And um, they had an island for it. You know, I um, have this Facebook friend from high school who runs a media company now and she does interviews and she recently posted a picture of Ghislaine Maxwell. And she's like, this is the woman who hired me to interview Epstein. And there was nobody else there. I was in the room alone and Epstein was wearing nothing but a bathrobe. And she's like, I was one of the lucky ones. But yeah, this woman is a fucking pimp who is just, you know, getting people for him. So a lot of similarities to fucking Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, what do you think the title means? I think it's what I was saying before. I think that men 
have this belief that women are more chaste and more ethical and more moral than they are. And it's, you know, but they're just as fucked up as we are. And he's has got his eyes. He had his eyes wide shut before. It's right in the front of you, but you don't want to see it. You don't see and it. Yeah. Now he realizes that like, yeah, his wife has got a wandering eye too. Mm. And his wife is capable of doing anything a man can do. And so he's now he's, his eyes are, are open. This is the other thing I didn't like is how it ended. I thought it was very weird. And like he tried, like it ends almost too neatly wrapped up where they're like, oh, we made it through this. Now we just got to fuck. Like the ending was very. What would you want it? I, I don't know. Not that <laughs> it shouldn't be. It should be left open to whether these people are actually going to make it. Well, what, 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 so what what happens? OK, so the guy they're in the, the toy guy store. finds out. So he did. He crossed the line where he kissed the girl. Right, the prostitute's friend. Oh, yeah. oh, he did kiss her. Did he kiss her? No, he was feeling her up. I don't know if he kissed. They her. were close. I think, yeah, there was he, one he was, kiss. He, her friend. Yes, it was inappropriate yeah. either way. But uh, he didn't. Go, in the carnal sense, he didn't fuck anybody. No. He didn't. He kind of every single opportunity he had to fuck somebody, he didn't take it. So uh, I think that it was his like uh, a gauntlet that he had to run through, and he made it through. I think that when she told him about the dream, he realized that she might've been there. Well, I almost saw this movie going another way when they, you know, when they keep showing him thinking about his wife, fucking that guy, I almost thought the movie would be like, he would go to her and say, I found this party. And it kind of turns me on to thinking he was someone else. Let's both sneak into this party because this is what you want. This is what I want. But that didn't happen. I thought he took her to the party. I completely misremembered this movie. (laughs) I, I I like I almost think that she, I want to imagine she, might she was there. at the party. Fuck. She was at the party. Did not occurred to me. And um that she cheated on him. And and hmm. she did not she basically did what Tom Cruise could not have done. Maybe I, I interpreted it as uh that ending as he went ran through the gauntlet, he proved that he still loves her. He had to tell her that because he needed to get off his chest what she had basically done to him and what that what 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 basically caused this whole night to happen for him um and then when she says let's fuck or we have to fuck it's basically like well you've had a whole night where you were thinking about sex so the only way to really figure out if we love each other still is we got to have sex we got to oh. figure out if uh if it's still going to be the same huh interesting yeah Yeah, i wish that they would have had it's weird like, it, it, they just seemed they it seemed like they had this great relationship because i mean they were both flirting but they were using it to fuel their sexual uh life so they would get flirt and get all hot and bothered and then go fuck and later on in the night that's what they did right so yeah. i thought that was just fine i don't know i mean i don't know if that's healthy but like i feel like that maybe in their world that was what they did but then it takes a weird turn when she makes this confession. And I just thought, thought it was odd that he, of course that she thinks about fucking, she's dancing with a dude, yeah, you know, but I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, odd, unsettling. Is this a misunderstood masterpiece or no? I mean, it's got, it's got the makings of a masterpiece. I, think I just think that does. it falls a little bit short. Yeah. It's not his best. There, there's. I could hear an argument for it, but I personally wouldn't consider it a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's not a lot. There's not, as Rugway mentioned, there's not like a great performance in this. Uh, the writing is intriguing, but you kind of really get it's. Uh, there's not like one takeaway, and it's not. 
I don't know. It's just it's a, for me. It's just a little a little too off for it to be. It's not palatable enough for enough people where it'd be like, okay, I could see what was. happening. It is a here. slow, laborious pace of a movie, and you just kind of have to let it ride. The Alan Cumming scene, of, he, he has a cameo. It was kind of funny where. He's, you know what's interesting is everyone Bill meets wants to fuck him. Have you noticed, did you notice that in this movie? Everybody yeah. he meets is just throwing himself at him, and he can't fucking get laid. He just and it was hilarious the way he kept telling everyone he's a doctor, as if that validated him being there. And you know, just listen to me, I'm a doctor. See here, I'm a doctor. It's okay. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. Damn it, Jim. All right, man, that is the last twelfth movie from 1999. Oh, one final thought. They should remake this movie today with Will and Jada Smith. Did you see that? Yes. By the way. Oh my oh god. My god. You Did you see that, Anthony? I, I watched a, like a clip here or there, but I'm not. I know that she admitted to an entanglement. Entanglement with August Alcina. I mean, talk about these Cruz and Kidman so doing this and then describing to our viewers or listeners who did not see this. So Will and Jada had a sat down across a. a it was called a red table interview. So basically, it gets out that Jada had some kind of like they were fling. They were still guy. married, but they were they wanted to give each other space. And she goes, "I did have an entanglement." And Will's like, so "She made Will Smith do this like interview. Like it looked like he was out of gum." Oh my god, he looks so hurt. He's like, "That's an affair." Call it what it is. He's like, "She's the word entanglement." I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking eyes wide shut right here." That was amazing though to see these people, Will and Jada, so public have to. I have this conversation in a public forum. Uh, but she wasn't giving, look, I feel like that Will was trying to get the truth out yeah, there yep. and she kept on walking it back yeah, yeah. and like being, and being more shrouded in secrecy. So I felt bad for I, Will in that. So the whole that. point of this red table thing is supposed to be truthful and honest and let it fly. And she wasn't doing that. I, I think, I think personally, I, I think that the whole thing is stupid and they should <laughs> have that conversation behind closed doors. Don't fucking film it. <laughs> Right? Your that's, dirty laundry. that's crazy. Why are you why are you having this conversation? Because on they want they want the likes, they want the right, they want the clout. I, I just I think it's I think it's a disgusting way to, to gain that kind of attention. That's Kardashian level. It is Kardashian yeah. level publicity stuff. You, you would think Will Smith, who's old school and we know even though we've been around Will Smith for twenty plus thirty years yeah. and you, we think we know him, we don't know anything about him. But I, I had this perception that he was just more of he, he was a step above something mm, like that. Mm, Some, yeah. Something to just gain attention and just be shock value. Who TV. talked him into that? Fuck. Maybe you, you know, he's, a, he's this a, he was a he's a he's a guy that rapped and never used curse words. Yeah. He's very selective about the movies he does. Yeah. I, it just seemed disgusting. I, the whole thing I've heard about it is just it seems disgusting. I don't know how, how they got talked into that, but this it is was, the world that we live it in. It was now. wild to watch. It was just, just shocking. I was like, what the I fuck? Mean, that, that's just car crash TV. It is. it is. I know I know it's fun to like see celebrities and see like they oh they cheat too, but what what, what yeah. the fuck is this? this Are you stupid. airing your dirty laundry to get like, fucking likes? I think they want to like try and normalize the fact that people cheat on each mm. other. And listen, everybody knows that being faithful is a really hard thing to do. And especially if you're good looking and you have like people that are throwing themselves at you and stuff like that, or it's really just easy for you to do, yeah. or you're a fucking sex addict, what all these different reasons. Um, so I just think that we all know that this is hard and we all know that it's fucking thing. I just, we don't need to see it. We don't need to see your lives unravel. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. Sad. All right. So wrapping up before we rank these, any other comments about similar themes across all well, these movies? Well, yeah. Um, when we're talking about uh, uh, Ripley and election, yeah. there is the correlation of social climbing. Yes. 
So Ripley is a social climber, and so is uh, so so is Flick. Yeah. So yeah. Tracy Flick is also she's the type of person that will do whatever she has. She's a sociopath in her own. She kind of is, absolutely. So uh, they they do have that common thread as well. And now almost all of these movies are about identity in some form, which uh, I thought was very interesting theme. Yeah. No, I mean these all these movies are are still kind of about searching for purpose and meaning in life. So, I mean, they, they, they all have a, a very, you know, an overarching theme of, of what we were talking about with the past eight movies. And they're all, especially these good. four that these are very compelling and gripping films. They're like, they, they kind of grab you yeah. and um, you're along for the ride the whole time. So that's a credit to these four. I think that they're, and, and they were not the most popular. That's true. They're, right? they're, so they're all kind of, even these, ride. even these kind of like, uh, you know, off the beaten path movies are still very good. Yeah, they're all. I mean, all twelve of the, these movies have been amazing. All right, out of this four, Anthony, give us. Uh, let's do the rank. Where would you put these four in your favorites? So this one's pretty much the toughest one for oh, yeah? me to yeah to rank. I I'm going to say this, but I I'm not confident in these rankings. <laughs> I think I could I could switch these at any moment. Um. I would have last eyes wide shut. Okay, out of the four, yeah. I would go with go being third. Okay, election being two, and talented Mr. Ripley being number one. Well, interesting. But those top three, I could interchange at any point. They're very close. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah. I uh, took me a while. Rugs, where would you put these four? I'm like I'm like mirroring Anthony for the first time. Oh shit! Wow. Oh shit! Because I feel like eyes wide shut is the weakest. Um, because of the acting and, and the fact that it's kind of like opaque still, like I still can't really, there's no clarity to what exactly, it's, but it's dreamlike, you know, and it's yeah. kind of meant to be that dreamlike. I, and yeah, but I do think that, um, for all of the 400 days of shooting, yeah, we should have gotten a little bit clarity. more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that it's two and a half hours long, we should have gotten some clarity. Yeah. Um, but I do like that film, but I out of these four, I like it the least. And then, yeah, what Anthony said, I probably would put election first and, um, and then go third and Ripley second. Yeah. Hmm. Election Ripley go. Eyes oh, yeah, wide I, had, shut. I had Mr. Ripley one, but I could definitely make an argument. So my favorite out of these, I'm putting a number one go. <laughs> Of course, because that's my fucking. That's right. That's my fucking movie. But uh, second, I'm gonna put Ripley, and then Election, and then Eyes Wide Shut. I do agree that Eyes Wide Shut should be at the bottom. I, I do. I just want to throw in. I I want to make it clear. Unlike last week, where I clearly didn't, for the most part, didn't like Magnolia. Right. I liked all four of these films, okay. even Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Yeah, these are all. They are like you said, compelling interesting rides yeah, of movies you can't really go what? wrong fuck man i'm uh that's been quite a journey through 1999 <laughs> i love doing it and i'm i think we're gonna stop here 12 is enough yeah 12 is enough for now it's uh it was a lot but it was now a lot of fun do you have any 1999 movies that you just want to throw out for 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 guys like uh to watch you think let's, let's well, i think we mentioned a lot of them in the first episode when the nation mentioned a lot of them i mean you still have Things like The Mummy, which is still a fun movie. <laughs> the Mummy, that's yeah. the first movie you go with. That's Jesus the one Christ. I thought about. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Uh, Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. So no one's saying Green Mile. I would say Gre- oh, I like, Green I like Mile. Green Mile a lot. 
Um, Green Miles. American Pie. Good movie for me. American Pie, yeah. Ver- the Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Blair That's Witch. an interesting one. To- Man on the Moon. That's the only other real big Man movie. Man on the Moon is say. is great. Blair Witch is another one. Jim Carrey. I wouldn't mind but, uh, watching Boys again. Don't Cry, a winning Oscar winning performance oh. for Hillary Swank. Remember Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrel? Guy Guy Ritchie? Two Smoking Barrels? That's, that's not a yeah, bad, that's that's a not a bad movie. You, did you, are you guys... I've, I've only heard about this through my 1999 research, but were you guys fans of Galaxy Quest? Galaxy yes. Quest is a fucking amazing movie. It's still it's so good. Yes. That's I didn't love it the first time I saw it, but then in the context of, of realizing what it was and exactly how good it did it, I started to really grow on me. Yeah, so. it's a great sci-fi kind of comedy send-up of that genre. It's really I don't really well like comedies that much. So if you I don't. like the comedy, really, no, you son of a bitch! With all the comedies we've reviewed in '99, I think you've liked so far. Well, they had something else to them besides. Uh, like, I don't like over-the-top, like r- stupid, silly stuff that like um, is kind of like too easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like too easy or too lazy. It's it, it, there's a there's a line, but um, and a lot of the comedies are like that, and so Galaxy Quest is a little smarter, a little bit more clever, and um, it's actually kind of like uh that that Orville is trying to be Galaxy Quest. It is, but yeah. yeah. So and it's doing it well too. So it's taking a comedic look at Star Trek and fandom in general and those tropes and being very very clever about it. And Kevin Smith does that with the comic book industry a lot, and he does that um, to a degree. And that's why I liked even I kind of enjoy his movies because he does do the same thing. And Galaxy Quest is kind of like another version of that. And so I can I can get down with a comedy if it's very clever. If it's a good yeah. If it's clever comedy, there's also the th- uh, Three Kings, David O. Russell from that year, a very good movie. Um, but if we do this again, we'll pick another year. Pick another year. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll we'll, we'll let, let this rest a little a bit. Little and get, bit. get back We've to another exhausted year. Exhausted. Nineteen ninety nine. For now, let's get to news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. <laughs> Every time it gets you, I find that it does. It does. That's even funnier. I like the fart that asks a question. Like, hmm? yeah, it's got to go up at the end. Like, <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> question. Fart. Let's see if we can get an answer. I uh, got just a couple of comments from our last episode. David Zika said, "I watched Magnolia when it originally came out on video and didn't like it enough to watch it again. But the big thing at the time was trying to find the hidden hints, clues, and meanings, and there were." A lot of hidden things in Magnolia everyone was looking for. And then uh, Jim McPike, whenever we were confused about his really smart sociopolitical oh, comment, yeah. well, he's uh, he, he's responded. He's like, here's the requested translation on the end of history from, quote, useless major into, quote, human speak. He says, because America won the Cold War, some people in the 90s erroneously believed that our style of government was the final evolution of human society and would soon spread around the world, thus ending, quote unquote, history in the sense of social and political development. I aggressively do not subscribe to this theory and feel recent history has shown it was the fever dream of privileged men high on the scent of their own farts, but it's indicative of where a lot of people were in the 1990s. You get it, Ruggs? Yeah, I and I still and I agree with him. It doesn't. I don't think that uh, 
the way we have it set up is the final way to do it. And uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy and all that stuff and, and a lot of corruption. And uh, for them to think at that time that that was the end all be all is pretty stupid. Well, I mean, but that's you see where these movies about identity and throwing off the shackles have come out of this. And then, you you know, the he says the fever dream of privileged men high on the scent of their own farts. Like, that's like eyes wide shut. You see a lot of that also in these movies, people wanting to be something they're not or. Well, it's like it's first world problems, right? Exactly. So, like, if you're if you're like living in fucking squalor in India somewhere where like there's fucking rivers of shit and you're like, that's what your life is. And then those those problems getting food, like being treated like a human being and this and that. And uh, actually being treated like a human being. And then you're over here. If someone like microaggresses you, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like first world problems. It's like we're it's a whole different thing that we've gauged about. So now we sit there and we ponder, how can we transcend humanism? How can we transcend like things that are built into our DNA? Like, you know, we have to now either become machines or bio biogenetically engineer this stuff out of us or societally engineer this stuff out of us. And I think that that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that. Uh, we would just be able to do that, which is impossible. And now, and now we're fucked. So bring on the singularity, just fucking scrap it all. I, for one, uh, welcome our robot overlords. I am ready to serve you. <laughs> so that's, what's going to As long as you're not C-3PO. No, C-3PO. He's an annoying fuck. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's finish off with some what are we watching? Oh, I have one. What do you got, Rux? I watched the worst movie. Oh, excellent. That's made by a big company that had millions of dollars put into okay. it. Okay. And it's called Scoob. Oh, no. The Scooby-Doo movie. Scoob is oh, no. no good on HBO Max. absolute Scooby shit. It's animated, it right? Big, Great Dane, steaming shit. <laughs> And I'll just say that out loud. I mean, look, um, it's just <laughs> preposterous. Like, it's so bad. Like, they were trying to make Scooby into, like, a superhero. Yeah. By using Blue Falcon. Oh. And they just completely, like, shit on, like, the entire, all of all of the Scooby lore. They integrated it, but they, like, fuck, they fucking shit on it at the same Scrappy time. Scrappy-Doo's not in it, is he? No, he's fucking not. Fucking hate Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> I mean, Lame. fuck Scrappy Doo. I wanted to. I like Scooby Doo. Do you like Scooby Doo? I did. I almost fan? clicked on the movie because there was nothing else new on HBO Max, and I heard good things about Scoob, but I'm glad I didn't. I've always loved Scooby Doo because they had it is horrible. They had the Harlem Globetrotters and the Three Stooges and Batman and Robin and Don Smart, uh, Don Knotts, or no, Get Smart. Don, Don Adams. Knotts was Don on Knotts yeah, was also on it. The celebrity right. cameos in animation. Mama Cass was yes. on there. I would have got away well, like, with it. If it wasn't for you. Look, I like kids. Scooby-Doo for two reasons. One, it, 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 it enforced science and, and deductive logic. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like Encyclopedia so, Brown books. So like they would go into this uh, spooky house with a ghost or something, and they would find out it was just a fucking jerk off with a mask on and like demystify the whole thing. Zoinks! And so that there was nothing to be afraid of and science could prove everything in, in facts and stuff and using your noggin. So I like that aspect about it. It made me be a little bit more critical. Um, and in, in various movies, they made the ghosts and stuff real, which is okay, whatever. That's kind of weird, but whatever. 
maybe one day it is the one time they go and they think it's going to be a dude in a, and it's a, in a real mask. ghost. It's not. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And, um, but this one was just completely like for this, like I understand like an animated shitty movie that's going to come out on Cartoon Network, yeah. but you're spending major dough. You're getting fucking CG. You're doing the whole they shit nine. on all over Scoob's history, huh? And it just like they fucked up those other movies with the live action. They were terrible too. But you had Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince and Linda right. Carter. Like I mean, I thought that this was the for some reason I went into this thinking this was going to be the one. That's that, what like, I was thought. Going to, and I'm, to get it man, right, I'm surprised that but it uh, wasn't. There is a great series that kept Mystery Incorporated. Oh, that's yeah. fucking awesome. You should check that out. All right. Well, I watched the big budget comic book adaptation. The Old Guard, Charlize Theron, Chiwetel Ejiofor, based on a book by Greg Rucka. You, why don't you save that? Yeah. Are we, is that what we're... Do we want to review this for later? I saw it, yeah. I was thinking maybe review it next. I've heard a lot of good things about it. We Okay, so... Okay, I'm going to save well, my... We can discuss offline. I'm going to save my thoughts because we have something planned for next week. So we have, we'll okay. just review it the following week. We'll, we'll discuss offline. Okay. so I'm, Save your thoughts. I will save my thoughts. I uh, I have not watched anything, but I have listened to... I did listen to a podcast from 2018 with Joe Rogan and Matthew Walker, oh. who's a sleep neuroscientist. Yeah. That one was crazy intriguing. Uh, make sure you guys get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Did they talk about like sleep paralysis and stuff? No, it was talking about how sleep just like the lack of sleep just affects everything. The, 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 it affects everything and the, the rates it's tied to to cancer and Alzheimer's and Holy shit. all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. I sleep get, I need to. at least seven hours. If not, at least, uh, try to get eight actually, but uh, I never sleep seven. Yeah. It's bad for you. Oh, oh really? <laughs> really bad. What, yeah. but can, what if, really bad. And it, it's, it's so bad that uh, you don't even real you're, you're like walking around basically a zombie drunk and you don't know it. Do you have to no, do that's it what all that at once? Yeah. Can you break up the seven hours? Does that make a difference? You can hack the body, according to this guy, and, and do some naps, but the best is all all at once. Long sleep. I mean, uh, have you guys been watching that new Zac Efron? Thing I, on I watched Netflix? one of those episodes, and first of all, he would make a great Wolverine. Like, he, he's fucking jacked in this show, and he has a beard, and he's kind of fun to hang out with, and he's smarter than I thought he was. Might be too pretty oh, for I think, me. I think Maybe. he's dumb, but like, um, I think he's a complete <laughs> idiot, but like. He's heart, his heart's in the right place, yeah. and he's doing this earnestly, I believe. Yeah. But I watched an episode where they went to Sardinia yeah. because uh, there's something called the Blue Zones, and there's Blue Zones in Okinawa, Sardinia, uh, somewhere in California, and uh, Costa Rica, where they have the highest concentration of centenarians, which are oh, people who live to be over 100. Oh, and they're wondering, they're trying to find the common thread of why is it just genetics? Sleep. It's sleep. And maybe it's sleep. Diet. It is. is it diet? And all all these, I find it very fascinating. So sleep. check out that episode. It's sleep. No, sleep affects your, your appetite, your weight, your Everything. exercising, your burning calories. The, the, you, the, the sleep is the best way to recover from anything. Mm. Mm, I'm getting sleepy right now. We should probably sleepy, end the guys. show. Nice. Eight. Let's do it. Make, make sure you get consistent. Same time. I thought that you could sleep too much, though. Mm, no. no. Too. So according to this doctor, you couldn't. You can't sleep too much. We need to make an ASMR podcast for our listeners, so they we can. It'll be us going. Oh, this ASM. Is, AS. No ASMR. Have you heard those where oh. like girls talk in hushed tones and people listen to it to fall asleep, no, or they'll like bite 
food or chew or I've, I've heard about these ASMR things and I'm they're, very weird. They're very weird. Creeped out yet intrigued. It's just like relax your mind. Yeah, I, I'm not home. I'm not down with that. Yeah, it's kinda weird. <laughs> show me your boobs. Show, show me your boobs. I'll fall asleep by my That's mind. all it is. Just yeah. cradle me in your boobs. Uh all right, listeners, we're gonna end it here. Rugs, where can the listener find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at really rugboy. Come by, say hi. Visit the show notes at jogginnerd.com slash 337 for links to everything we talked about, how to support, subscribe to the show. It's free. You never miss a show. And the most important thing, listener, tell a person about the show. Get someone to listen. They will, if you think you have a friend who will enjoy it, we would appreciate spreading word of mouth on the Jogging Nerd podcast so we take over the world one day and we'll eventually become Rotten Tomatoes reviewers if you give us more Apple podcast ratings, we'll get there. It's fine. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the Jock. He's a nerd. Keep you next time. That's a big fuck up right there. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Get the fuck out of here.